Hi there, and welcome to a special edition of Power Play. I'm Vashi Capellos coming to you from Ottawa this afternoon. You were just listening to Conservative leader Pierre Polyev uh, teeing up what is anticipated to be uh, a very heated, heated rather, committee meeting on Parliament Hill this afternoon. It's going to start any minute now. It will examine uh, allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 federal election. You heard Mr. Polyev there echo calls uh, to a certain degree from the New Democrats for a public inquiry. Uh, he says he wants that inquiry to happen to look specifically into these allegations. He wants it to be an independent inquiry. Uh, he wants all the parties to agree on or have to agree on a commissioner to lead it. Uh, and he wants the testimony to occur in the public sphere. Uh, Mr. Polyev is, uh, as I mentioned, teeing up what we are anticipating to start any moment now behind me on Parliament Hill, a committee meeting where we are set to hear from uh, some of the top uh, officials in the intelligence sphere in this country, including the Prime Minister's National Security Advisor and other officials from the RCMP and Canada's spy agency. We're going to bring you that testimony live. First, though, I want to remind you a little bit about what the Prime Minister has said this week in response to those allegations of foreign interference. We're all concerned and worried about our elections integrity. And that's why we have put in place mechanisms, why we continue to see hearings on this in parliamentary committee, why we continue to be open and transparent, because yes, openness and transparency is, transparency is extraordinarily important uh, for our democracies and for active defense of our democracies. And the Prime Minister has echoed those comments numerous times over the past few weeks as media reports around allegations of Chinese interference have certainly amplified. Uh, he does not want to call a, an inquiry. He has referred instead to the work done by the committee that will happen later today or later this afternoon, as well as a panel that was set up under the acronym SITE. That panel is supposed to, during an election, raise a red flag or sound an alarm if they see that uh, foreign interference or any interference in the election threatens the integrity of that election. They never sounded an alarm. And yesterday, a report came out uh, authored by Morris Rosenberg, a longtime uh, deputy minister as well as bureaucrat here, who also happened to lead the Trudeau Foundation at one point. That report came out and it echoed basically what we understood from that site panel, that the outcome of the election was not impacted, but that Canada's spy agency, CSIS, did have concerns about Chinese, alleged Chinese interference. And that's what you heard uh, Conservative Minister Pierre Polyev talk about there, that he would like to see an inquiry held. Uh, we do expect that to come up in committee today. He wants it to be public. He wants it to be led by a commissioner that all parties can agree on. We spoke uh, this week with Fred Delory, who led the Conservatives' 2021 campaign. Here's what he wants to see. I don't think the Liberal, I'm quite sure the Liberals were not behind this or involved in this. They may have benefited from it. They're the governing party, uh, the NDP and the Conservatives. We should all sit down and figure out what this problem is and how we solve it together. And just to note, we have invited the Chinese ambassador to Canada on this program multiple times throughout these reports. Those invitations have been declined, but we did get a statement from the embassy today that reads in part, China has always been firmly against any attempts to interfere in other countries' domestic affairs. We're not interested in meddling with Canada's internal affairs, nor have we ever tried to do so. We strongly urge the parties concerned, the statement goes on to say, to immediately abandon their ideological bias, adhere to basic journalistic ethics, stop disseminating disinformation and lies related to China, and stop stigmatizing Chinese consulates and personnel 
that perform their normal duties so as to avoid bringing a further negative impact on China-Canada relationship. You heard uh, me mention that report that was released just yesterday. Uh, and that report determined that the outcome of the election was not impacted, but that there were very real concerns about uh, uh, about the level of interference or potential uh, interference by China. I spoke exclusively with Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino about that as we wait for that committee to get started. Have a listen to our conversation. Hi, Minister. Good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me, Bashi. Uh, you and the Prime Minister have uh, both insisted, really, that the integrity of our elections has not been compromised. But the Rosenberg report is clear that the threshold for that determination is very high and that there's really a whole lot of gray area below that. Why aren't you more worried about China's role in trying to influence our elections? Well, first, I want to thank uh, Morris Rosenberg and the members of the site panel for issuing the report, which confirms which the government what the government has been saying for months now, which is that the election in 2021 was free and fair. And Vashi, to your question, uh, I assure you that we take foreign interference very seriously, which is why we have put in place tools to both address and mitigate um, those challenges, which is why we have increased the bar of transparency through the creation of the site panel, a panel that is made up of independent, nonpartisan, uh, professional public servants, which is why we created NSICOP and NSIRA. So we will continue to do this work going forward. But that panel, for example, that was struck Back to the question I asked, in the Rosenberg report, it's highlighted that the bar, the threshold that has to be met in order for the panel to say to the public, this is something of concern, is extremely high. The recommendation is that the bar be lowered and that there be other uh, mechanisms through which the panel can let the public know that there are concerns about the potential impact on elections. Are you going to lower that bar? Well, I think it's perfectly appropriate for um, the panel and Mr. Rosenberg to have made that recommendation. And as you heard my colleague, Minister LeBlanc say, we're going to work very closely uh, with the Privy Council Office to study those recommendations. But again, I want to assure you and your viewers and all Canadians that the decisions that were taken during the RIP period in 2021 were taken uh, by our independent uh, nonpartisan public servants. And going forward, we'll put in place all of the tools all of the measures that are necessary to protect our democratic institutions so that Canadians can be confident that they and they alone determine the outcome of our elections. But Minister, saying the recommendation is appropriate is not the same as telling Canadians you agree that the bar is too high, essentially, that there should be more public knowledge, more briefings of the public about potential impact, not just the fact that it already was impacted. Well, I think we're going some way uh, by saying it is appropriate to study that recommendation and the thresholds which are established in the protocol, I think, have served us and all Canadians well. Um, we're eyes wide open about the fact that foreign interference uh, does present a challenge to our uh, democracy, to our democratic institutions. Uh, but that is why we have continued to put in place a number of measures to protect our elections. Specifically with respect to the prospect of China uh, uh, as the foreign actor in, in the possibility or the allegations of interference in the 2021 election, you have talked about the possibility of a foreign agents registry. You said you want to embark on consultations. I'm not sure where those consultations are. Why do you need to consult when the U.S. has one, Australia had one as of four years ago? What's the hesitation on your government's part there? 
we need to consult uh, to be sure that we bring Canadians along in the way in which we create new tools for our national security agencies and our public safety agencies. That's one of the ways in which uh, we can engender confidence in our institutions. And I think the two issues are related. The fact that um, at its very core, the purpose of foreign interference is to erode that confidence and trust does import with it a responsibility uh, to have a conversation about the new tools uh, that we are providing to our agencies so that we can do this work in, in a way that is transparent. And that is my commitment as the Minister of Public Safety and our government more broadly is to bring all Canadians along as we expand the toolbox, but to do so in a way that is transparent. How long will those consultations be, though? And can you guarantee Canadians that it won't be essentially used as a way of dragging out the possibility of a foreign agent's registry? Because, and I ask because this is something that was proposed by a former Conservative MP. Uh, it was a private member's bill. It's be, the concept is not new. As you and your colleagues have been pointing out now for weeks, the concept of China interfering in our elections is not new either. I, I'm just curious as to why it has taken this long to even talk about consultations. And again, how long do you expect those consultations to take? Well, I want to make two important points in response to your question. The first is that um, there has been a, a go, an, an ongoing continuum of consultation and conversation with Canadians in the creation of tools uh, that relate to national security and foreign interference. And we have um, importantly elevated the bar of that work by creating the National Security Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, by creating the National Security Intelligence Review Agency. And as we speak, Bashi, um, the most senior public servants um, within the public service will be testifying before a parliamentary committee to expand on that work and to be, again, upfront. But the second thing is that this is not a partisan issue. All uh, parliamentarians and all Canadians need to be united behind the cause of recognizing and being eyes wide open about the threat of foreign interference so that as we introduce new tools, we can bring them along and maintain that trust and confidence in our institutions. That is critically important if we uh, are, are, are intent on, and we are indeed, protecting our elections and ensuring that Canadians and Canadians alone are the ones that determine the elections as the report confirmed yesterday. Respectfully, Minister, that doesn't answer the question of how long you expect those consultations to take before making a decision on whether a foreign agent's registry is necessary. And again, I, I'm pushing on the question because this is a major irritant for China, right? That's, that's well known. A lot of the uh, documentation through CSIS, through the Globe and Mail, involves WeChat and uh, sort of maligning conservative MPs who were in favor of such a registry. So again, how long before your government makes a decision on that? Well, uh, first, we uh, take this work very seriously. And even as uh, you press on timelines, I, I would say in response that it's equally important and essential that we get the, the process of consultation and the tools right. And we have to carefully calibrate um, the new measures that we are putting in place so that they are consistent with the law, with the charter, uh, with a, a high degree of transparency. And these are complex issues. So I assure you in the interim that as we continue on uh, with a, a national conversation about how we address the challenges of foreign interference, um, that we are also um, leveraging the many tools that we have put into place, including an act which we passed in 2019, which gives um, CSIS additional threat reduction measures um, and other tools as well. So we have in place a toolbox, and yes, we are looking to expand it, but we need to bring Canadians along. And in the meantime, we'll do everything that we need to 
protect all of our democratic institutions. What does it say to you that someone felt so strongly about this issue and exposing it that they leak secret and top secret, secret documents to the press? Well, we obviously take leaks uh, very seriously, and I know that the public service uh, does as well. Um, but I want to assure Canadians that we take equally seriously uh, the challenges that are posed by foreign interference, which is why uh, we have introduced the measures, the mechanisms, the tools that we have been discussing throughout the course of this interview, which is why, as we are doing that, um, we're being upfront. And I certainly take that point, Minister, but, but circling back to what I asked, when, sorry, you're saying that you have no role in determining whether there will be a formal investigation into who leaked those documents? Vashi, as you know, um, investigations are carried out at the operational independence of uh, the agencies with those remit. You do not. So want, you don't know um, if there is one. I'm saying that it is important that um, that that we respect operational independence. And in the meantime, um, we'll do uh, what we need to do on the elected side of, of of the branch of government, which is to take the report that was issued yesterday, look at the recommendations, work with the public service to implement them. Just finally, Minister, I know that you're you're going to great lengths to say how seriously your government is taking this. At the outset of the reporting by the Globe and Mail and the questions to the Prime Minister, uh, he he essentially characterized people who were raising concerns about this as stoking, uh, you know, uh, stoking fear about the integrity of the elections and and in essence, kind of uh, stoking doubt in that electoral process. Do you understand how Canadians might feel dismissed in their concerns? I'd point to Angus Reid, which today is saying that uh, at least 53% of Canadians polled say that the attempted interference in 2021 represents a serious threat to democracy. Did, did you and your colleagues make a mistake in at the outset of this dismissing those concerns as stoking doubt in the integrity of our system? On the contrary, I think the government takes uh, the concerns uh, very seriously as we do foreign interference. And that is why we are focused like a laser to put in place all of the tools, whether it's through policy or resources uh, or indeed the recommendations which were issued in the site panel yesterday, um, but to do so in a way that is transparent and upfront with all Canadians. And I cannot stress enough how important it is that we now together collectively have an opportunity to see the work of the site panel as it has been embodied in the report yesterday, which importantly validated what the government has been saying for months, which is that the election in 2021 was free and fair and we will continue on with this work to ensure that we protect our democratic institutions so that Canadians and Canadians alone determine the outcome of our elections. Minister, I'll leave it there. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Vashi. Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino, let's head straight to that Committee on Parliament Hill, which is examining allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 election. Top intelligence officials are getting questions from parliamentarians. We'll listen in live. I will do my best. But again, I was not in this job at the time. Okay. Um, a redacted report uh, entitled uh, Daily Foreign Intelligence Brief dated February 21st, 2020 from the Intelligence Assessment Secretariat at PCO provided to this committee in the production process states that there were, quote, subtle but effective interference networks, end of quote, by Beijing in the 2019 election and provides the following assessment, quote, investigations into activities linked to the Canadian federal election in 2019 
reveal an active foreign interference network, uh, end of quote. On what date was the, what date did, on what date did the PCO share this information with the Prime Minister? That information is widely circulated and is available in daily reading packages. And, and it, the Prime Minister would have received that? It would have been in a daily reading package. And uh, would any ministers have received that? Uh, in all likelihood, yes. Thank you. Monsieur Fergus. Madame la Présidente, and thank you uh, to our witnesses for being here today. To the, can you briefly describe what foreign interference means to the national security and intelligence agencies? And, you know, because here we're talking about electoral interference, but I'm certain the definition is larger than that, that it deals with academia, businesses, uh, and other aspects of society. Can you briefly outline what foreign interference means to your community? I'm happy to. Mr. Tupper is responsible, the Deputy Minister responsible for the agency, so perhaps he would like to weigh in. It's a great question because it is a complex web of activity. Uh, we take very much a whole-of-society approach to looking at foreign interference. Uh, you, you noted an, a number of areas that we look at, democratic institutions. Uh, we look at particular communities uh, within the country uh, to uh, ensure we have an understanding of what's going on and the kind of interference that may be occurring in diaspora communities. Uh, we pay attention to economic and national security issues in terms of attempts to disrupt our, our economy. Um, so that might be looking at, at, at banks and, and the rules and regulations that surround and protect uh, our financial institutions. Certainly on the international affairs side, uh, we would have fairly comprehensive reporting and, 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 and awareness of, of our activities uh, and our partnerships with our allies to uh, jointly work. Uh, together. And then finally, we pay an inordinate amount of uh, attention to our critical infrastructure. Uh, the disruption of our grids, of our pipelines, would have massive disruption in our communities. So we pay a lot of attention to that. Thank you. Is, is it fair to say that uh, foreign interference is not new? And are, have governments taken steps towards us? Are they taking steps towards us? What are the national security agencies involved in that process and to try to combat foreign interference? It's absolutely fair to say it's not new. Um, I, how, I think I think that the how shift long that has, has how long would you say that national as, security as long as governments have opposed one another? I would I, I would offer. I, I think the real shift though uh, has occurred in the last five or six years, and I and I think uh, the more typical. Uh, activities of espionage, of, of, of uh, you know, suitcases full of money, of, of coercion. Um, those are things we've known about for a very long time. But over the last number of years, I think through the use of social media, the ability uh, to invoke uh, cyber attacks against states, uh, it has really escalated uh, our awareness and our attention to the area simply because it's more pervasive, it's more aggressive, and the potential for damage uh, to our democracy is, is that much more uh, serious. The social media has been around for a while. When did it first get onto your agenda? 
I, I think largely uh, post the 2016 American election, where we, we started to understand how foreign countries were trying to influence that uh, election, uh, I think it was a real learning point for us to understand uh, particularly what the Russians had been doing. Uh, so we have, have paid more and more attention since that time to really understand uh, and make sure that we have awareness of what's going on in Canada and the kinds of activities that are centered, uh, centered on the Canadian state. I want to talk about uh, some allegations that I've been able to read uh, from Walid uh, Suleiman, who has said publicly that he served as a Conservative Party's representative on the uh, site task force in 2021. He said allegations of foreign interference were brought forward as a part of the site task force engagement with political parties, but were not taken seriously. How do you respond to that? Uh, thank you very much for the question, Madam Chair. I. Um, I'm again was not on the the task force or the panel at that time. Uh, we do have uh, very clear documentation uh, from that representative of that political party um, asking questions and stating concerns with a, rel a very detailed response back to him um, on or about October 22nd, indicating that the 2021 that the uh, Allegations were being taken very seriously, but that we did not see um, the evidence that he presented in the intelligence to support the claims. Now, there have been claims since then, and we're reviewing that information to understand um, the full picture as broadly as is possible. But he was given a very thorough response at the time. Thomas, is there anything to suggest that the facts have changed since that original assessment was given there is nothing, in response to his claims? There is nothing that suggests um, that the outcome um, and that the writings that he was concerned about were uh, affected by attempts at foreign interference. Uh, there certainly were attempts. We haven't denied that. But intelligence evolves and we get more information. We obtain more information. There's more sources. Um, that become available, and we have to continuously assess the picture um, and our understanding of any given situation. And so information has come to light since that response was given, and I've asked that we just review it and be able to understand and uh, answer questions about it. Thank you. Um, were there other allegations which were brought forward at the time from other parties? Not that I am aware of, no. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Thank you very much. Madame Normandin, bienvenue. Six minutes à vous. Merci beaucoup. Um, Madame Thomas, vous avez mentionné un peu Thank plus you tôt very que much. Ms. Thomas, earlier you mentioned that you were not occupying the position at the time when the allegations from the Liberal candidate were brought forth or brought to the PM's attention. Now that you're there, the time when the Prime Minister says it's not the role, as a security officer, I'd like to hear what the message is being sent to those who would want to interfere in the democratic system. Because of a party, because information was just dismissed 
With regard to a potential problematic candidacy, what message is being sent in terms of public safety if we give the impression that it wasn't all that important after all? Thank you very much for the question, Madam Chair. Uh, I uh, would suggest that's not the conclusion I would draw. The conclusion I would draw is that uh, CSIS provides information. Uh, they build an intelligence picture. Uh, they investigate and they provide information to decision makers up into up to and including the prime minister. I agree with the prime minister. CSIS does not determine who should be a candidate and who should not. They provide for all parties where there is a concern and if there is a concern, information that parties then use in their uh, nomination processes uh, for their own purpose in according to their own rules, regulations and bylaws that govern that party. Uh, CSIS provides information to decision makers. When the PM did not confirm that he got the information from CSIS that there were allegations, it's not being denied or confirmed. I'd like to hear what you have to say on the fact that some people had that information and leaked it to the media. What message does that send with regard to security of information that probably CSIS members are risking their careers and even more to leak this information to the media? Does it send the message that it wasn't um, important to the Prime Minister in the first place? Thank you very much for the question. It's a very important question. We in the public service are the guardians of protected information. Uh, we share information to those people who have security clearances or are in roles of uh, authority where they can make decisions. Uh, the unlawful sharing of information and the inappropriate sharing of information, I believe, um, jeopardizes our national security. It jeopardizes institutions and it puts people at risk, both employees and subjects of investigations at unnecessary risk, uh, and it's very concerning. I'm not going to speculate on the motivations. This is a fairly crucial question that this information should have been, must have been leaked to the media to be known. Does not, this, does this not justify a larger public inquiry be set up to shed light on the various interference uh, cases that have been raised in the media? Inquiries like this one, I think, are very important in terms of understanding what happened, and so I applaud that you are doing this. I think it is important to talk about foreign interference. I think it's important to talk about the electoral process. Um, a public inquiry will have the same limitations that this committee does in that we cannot talk about national security information in a public forum. Uh, the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians was created for situations like this where we can be absolutely transparent with them and they can see the um, secret, top secret, protected information that was used to make decisions and to inform decision makers. And so I would, um, if an inquiry were to happen, it is through a body like that that I would recommend because an open forum is going to have the same limitations that this body does. And in terms of the impression it might leave, perhaps of panic in terms of the information that was leaked, 
How would you analyze the fact that some people were labeled racist because they wanted to shed light on the various interference in terms of the election? Does this not contribute to cynicism that we want to fight with these public inquiries, with policies and, and the group that analyzes elections? Are we not contributing to that? I think it's important to note that members of the Chinese community came out yesterday and said it is important to talk about this, uh, that the um, health and well-being of diaspora communities and mem Canadians from um, countries who participate in foreign interference feel protected as Canadians. And I think that is a really essential element of having a nation as multicultural as ours, is that uh, Canadians do feel equal and do feel protected by the national security community. Um, I think that is why the work that is being done on foreign interference is so important, because it does ultimately protect citizens. Merci, Mr. Julian, Thank up you, to six minutes for you. Mr. Julian, I see your lips moving, but I don't hear your voice. So do we want to try that again? You are on mute, but I don't hear you. Is it your headset that's muted? Is there buttons on your headset? There is not. Okay, that's interesting. Do you want to unplug it one time and plug it in again? We did do a sound check, correct? Huh. We did. There we go. It's a miracle. Excellent. Hearing and your voice. Thanks to is good. our IT team. We did do a sound check. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I'd like to start off uh, by providing a notice of motion. This motion was circulated to committee yesterday uh, with 48 hour notice period. I would be moving it tomorrow. The notice of motion reads as following that the committee report to the House that it calls on the Government of Canada to launch a national public inquiry into allegations of foreign interference in Canada's democratic system, including but not limited to allegations of interference in general elections by foreign governments. That this inquiry be granted all necessary powers to call witnesses from the government and from political parties, including but not limited to ministers, former ministers, chiefs of staff to the prime minister and to the leader of the official opposition during the 2019 and 2021 federal election campaigns, and national campaign directors for the 2019 and 2021 federal election campaigns of the Liberal Party of Canada and the Conservative Party of Canada, and that this inquiry have the power to order and review all documents it deems necessary for this work, including documents which are related to national security. Uh, I will be moving uh, that formally uh, tomorrow. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, I would like to go to our witnesses. Uh, Madam Thomas, uh, you, you stated that you weren't in a position uh, when uh, the events that have been described uh, happened, but you have been in your position, I'm sure, able to read the articles written by Robert Fife and Stephen Chase, uh, seeing, of course, the reports by Sam Cooper on Global News. Will you acknowledge that uh, the allegations that are contained in those reports are factual? I'm not going to comment on um, information that was inappropriately obtained. 
the concept and the problem and the severity of foreign interference is well documented. Uh, that there was attempts at foreign interference in the 2019 and 2021 federal elections has been documented and is quite transparent in the reports done by Jim Judd and Morris Rosenberg. Uh, and so I acknowledge that foreign interference has been attempted. Uh, if those allegations are correct, this constitutes criminal violations of the Elections Act, as we saw with the in and out scandal. Uh, back under the Harper government, uh, Dean Del Mastro, of course, in his case as a Conservative MP. Uh, does your evaluation include criminal activity? Alors, quand on a un cas où il y a, in the case uh, of uh, uh, allegations, of allegations of interference, our criminal re uh, relations in uh, the government, what would you do in that context? Uh, the RCMP form uh, a critical part of the team of, of, of people who assess um, activities during elections. Uh, they were aware of the information that was brought forward. They have looked at that information and have concluded that they will not pursue a criminal investigation. Uh, I know my colleagues from the RCMP will be appearing before this um, committee, so perhaps more detail on that can be uh, pursued with them. Uh, do you refer uh, any allegations of uh, violations of the Elections Act to the Commissioner of Elections? The Commissioner of Elections is an independent officer and indeed would pursue uh, in their own right uh, the ability to uh, look at allegations as they're brought forward. Uh, no, that's not my question. I mean, if, if, if there was criminal activity or there's allegations of criminal activity, the Commissioner of Elections uh, isn't necessarily going to be aware of that. Is that part of what you do in, in the case where these allegations uh, come forward? Indeed. Um, the RCMP would pursue those, those portions of allegations that, that, that fall under the, 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 the criminal law. Uh, there would be a conversation, indeed, between the RCMP and, and Elections Act uh, officials or the Commission officials uh, to uh, look at the corresponding violations that may occur under the Act uh, that they would be responsible for, indeed. So, so that is something that you do when, when these allegations arise. Uh, you, you do an investigation yourselves. Um, and potentially uh, you uh, also referred to the Commissioner of Elections uh, for possible investigation. Yes. I, I want to ask you, uh, and I go back to Ms. Thomas, how do you evaluate the extent of, of foreign interference? And I'm speaking specifically in this case, uh, both of the Chinese government, but also the Russian government and Russian actors. Uh, that have been playing a major role, as we know, in disrupting uh, democracies, including the United Kingdom and the United States? Thank you very much. It's a very important question. Uh, we rely on the national security agencies, um, along with uh, the Canadian Forces Intelligence Command, the Foreign Intelligence Unit at Global Affairs Canada, uh, and allies to help us assess the depth and persistence of foreign interference in Canada. As we said, it's not new and it's not um, restricted or targeted on, in Canada in particular. Uh, we use a number of tools and tradecraft that certainly we're not going to discuss publicly, but the collection of intelligence and the analysis of that in intelligence in its totality, not the individual pieces, understanding the veracity of it, um, understanding whether it's reliable or not, understanding if there is um, 
conflicting or contradicting information helps build that picture. Certainly the activities of proxies play a role in that. Thank you. Uh, we will now continue with our um, the five minutes to Mr. Cooper, followed by Mr. Turnbull. I'll be splitting my time with Mr. Bertold. Excellent. Uh, Ms. Thomas, you said in answer to a question posed by Mr. Julian, but you would not be commenting on what you claimed were reports of information that were inappropriately obtained. I would remind you of Section 15 of the Security and Information Act, which provides that no person is guilty of an offense under Section 13 or 14 if the person establishes that he or she acted in the public interest. Are you saying that it was not in the public interest for the public to know about Beijing's interference in our elections in 2019 and 2021? Is that what you're telling this committee? That is not even close to what I'm telling this committee. Uh, we have talked about foreign interference attempts publicly. Uh, the directors of, director of CSIS has. The panel of five did. Jim Judd did. Morris Rosenberg did. You, but would you, would you, Ms. Thomas, agree that it is important to shine a light on issues of foreign interference? I would agree, uh, Madam Chair, I would agree absolutely that it's important to shine a light on matters of foreign interference. I thank think it's important much. to do thank it in a responsible now, manner. Uh, thank you. I have limited time, Mr. Bertold. So I'm just going to pause the clock and do a friendly reminder because perhaps since it is a constituency week, we're not remembering that when multiple people are speaking on the mic, it's difficult for interpretation. So as we are having a very important conversation, we do need to make sure that questions are posed and that provided time to answer so that we can get this information. And I will continue being lenient with some time to make sure we have that time. So, Mr. Berthold, à vous la parole. Merci beaucoup, Madame la Présidente. Uh, Madame Thomas, you, vous avez dit à plusieurs reprises que vous étiez pas présente. Ms. Thomas, you've said many times that you weren't there in 2019 and 2021. You've taken over your duties recently. Did you receive a transition log or journal from your predecessor? Uh, no, in fact, I did not receive a transition book from my predecessor. However, uh, I had individual meetings with all the heads of the security agencies and my colleague deputy ministers. Since you've been in your position, have you been informed of certain situations that were reported from November 7, 2022, before it became public? I've read significant amount of intelligence about foreign interference in Canada. Um, and some of the information I've read goes back and is dated in 2018, 2019. Do you share the inf this information directly with I the Prime Minister? Information with the Prime Minister uh, independently of incidents that occurred before I was here in this job. Have you spoken of these incidents since with the Prime Minister? Uh, well, I'm not going to reveal what I have discussed with the Prime Minister. We have had very detailed and thorough conversations on foreign interference. Qui, qui participe à ce genre Who de takes rencontre? part in these meetings? Uh, there are a range of people, certainly people on his immediate staff, members of the national security community, uh, and often the clerk of the Privy Council. 
Est-ce que c'est possible pour vous de nous faire parvenir la liste des gens qui participent à ces briefings? Is it possible for you to send us the list of the people who take part in these briefings? I can give you general lists, yes. Vous avez aussi mentionné plus tôt que plusieurs ministres avaient été informés par ces briefings concernant concerning foreign interference. Can you say who these ministers are who take part in these briefings? What I said was that the daily foreign intelligence bulletin that was referenced in a previous question um, is distributed broadly uh, to those who have clearance to read, and it is provided to some ministers. Has it ever happened that you had discussions with the Prime Minister and other members of the Cabinet concerning these briefings on Chinese interference? Uh, the daily foreign intelligence briefing is an assessed piece that gives highlights of what's going on in terms of foreign interference on a range of subjects. Uh, I don't normally use it as a basis for briefing. Uh, normally, I use uh, and. It's not necessarily me briefing. Um, the briefing material generally comes directly from the National Security Agency rather than the assessed piece. Mais est-ce que parfois, uh, briefing, in your briefings with the Prime Minister, or other members of the briefing. Cabinet take part in these briefings? Uh, on, there are a range of briefings, but... Uh, but particularly on the subject that interests us today, here today. Generally, unless it is a discussion in cabinet or a cabinet committee, the briefings are with the prime minister. Merci beaucoup. Thank you very much. I could ask you the same questions regarding Sam Cooper's uh, reporting on February 24 and Stephen Shea's February 17. You will answer. There are many reports. There's a lot of information that was given to us. Thank you. Mr. Turnbull, up to five minutes for you. Thank you, Madam Chair, and thanks to our witnesses for being here today. Uh, Ms. Thomas, I'm going to focus on some short answer uh, questions to you, so I hope you can keep your, uh, your answers short. Um, if possible, we've seen a number of concerning allegations over the recent weeks with all the reporting that's been going on. So I want to get a very clear answer to this important question. Do you agree that if CSIS, through its intelligence gathering, becomes aware of illegal activity, that information should be referred to relevant authorities for further investigation? The simple answer to that question is yes. Um, Perfect. Thank you. Uh, and there were, I want to follow that up with some specific examples in, in the media reporting. There were reports that CSIS allegedly became aware of instances where the difference between the original political donation and the refund a person gets at tax time was returned to donors. So first, would you agree that that constitutes an illegal activity? Uh, that report was... Uh... Uh, in the media. Um, of course, the intelligence that backs it up is more complex than is probably um, evident in the single clip or um, piece of that report that's been revealed in the media. If there is a concern about criminal activity, the RCMP receives the intelligence they are responsible for determining what they will investigate and what they will pursue. As you're very well aware, police independence is a critical element of uh, Canadian law enforcement and our judicial system. So my understanding is that that, that would be an illegal activity if, it, if those allegations were true. 
And CSIS would then be required to refer their intelligence to the RCMP and the Commissioner of Elections uh, or both through either the site task force or otherwise. Is that not true? Uh, there are many ways that CSIS could refer information. They work very closely with the RCMP, and they have a number of mechanisms to ensure the RCMP receives intelligence for their own purposes and when they have a complete enough picture to refer to the RCMP. Okay, great. And so would if charges were laid, obviously that would become public, would it not? There's a lot of process before charges are laid, but yes. If charges were yep. laid, if there were an investigation, yes. Thank you. And Mr. Tupper, I wondered if you could comment on the next question, which is, do you know if the RCMP received information from CSIS on this particular allegation around political donations? And is the RCMP investigating any matters regarding foreign interference from the last election? I can confirm that the RCMP is not investigating any of the allegations uh, that are arising from the last election on the specifics of the question of, of, of your, the first part of your question, I will endeavor to come back because I don't have specifics on that. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. So with regards to another CSIS uh, or another report that CSIS allegedly found that business owners hired international Chinese students and assigned them to volunteer in election campaigns on a full-time basis. I'm, I want to ask the same question. So would you agree that this would be constitute or would be an illegal activity? So uh, Ms. Thomas, to you. I can't say that that would be an illegal activity. Um, and I would have to have more information. And certainly I'm not the arbiter of what's illegal. Sure, okay. Well, I, I, I myself can confirm or feel very strongly that this would constitute an illegal activity if it were true. And if so, uh, if there was evidence to suggest that that's true and intelligence, then CSIS and CSIS became aware of that illegal activity, then it should obviously, as per our previous uh, lines of questioning, would have to turn that information over uh, to appropriate authorities. Is that not true? In, in a simple world, the answer is yes. However, uh, one single piece of intelligence, um, depending on how uh, uh, credible the intelligence is, multiple source reporting, there's a lot that goes into change, uh, the, the translation of intelligence into evidence. It's a critical problem. Um, often the information that CSIS obtains can't be used for criminal charges because it is not intelligence or criminal investigation because it's not evidence. I apologize. Uh, and often um, to proceed with from intelligence to evidence means a re, uh, it would reveal sources or tradecraft that would be problematic and other decisions are made in terms of how um, that uh, information will be dealt with. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank, Thank you. you. Madame Normandin. Two and a half minutes. I'd like to come back to the information that we received saying there would be support for a candidate, a liberal candidate, through uh, Chinese authorities. Could this be considered interference, yes or no? I think certainly it would be. If it was covert, um, diplomats around the world, as an example, 
do have lists of politicians who are friendly to Canada, as an example. We do the same thing. When it becomes covert, not overt, not diplomacy, but uh, behind-the-scenes machinations and perhaps malevolent, Yes. Je vous arrête comme c'est oh, c'était c'était découvert. Est-ce que Because des donations par personnes interposées peuvent considérer euh, être constituées de l'interférence? Could interference be people that are uh... again if it is not in keeping with Canadian law? Yes. Merci. L'information qu'on a reçue euh, par les des médias donc euh, media. pouvait euh, constituer des sources d'interférence. Constitute sources of interference. I want to know if this was discussed to make this public, this information public before it was uh, made so by the media? Uh, again, that intelligence um, would likely not be made public for the reasons I have cited previously, but the discussion about foreign interference and the attempts at foreign interference to affect the election have been discussed publicly. Dans la mesure où euh, on sait que euh, les, euh, le Parti communiste chinois met beaucoup de pression sur la diaspora on the diaspora to obtain certain informations d'ingérence publique, on peut s'assurer de l'information de la diaspora public to protect the Chinese diaspora is suffering now, for example, with uh, visa restrictions and other things. <laughs> uh, thank you for that question. It's a super important question. The, the ability to build a trusting relationship with diaspora communities in the country between those communities and government institutions is, is just critical to our work. Uh, to that end, we engage directly with those communities. I have an advisory board to me directly that helps me understand how we can better work with those communities. Um, the, the work um, and the, I think the, the most perfect example of, of what you're asking us about is the recent questions around Chinese police stations in the country where we were able to engage with communities. We were able to do kind of public appeals post-information, post-police officers outside of those venues, uh, engage with, with the Chinese diplomats in the country. Th that has effectively stopped the activities of those five police stations. So it is working through the community, working in a public way as best we can, um, that allows us to uh, resist and to push back against those kinds of foreign interference. Thank you. Mr. Julian, two and a half minutes to yourself. Uh, merci beaucoup, uh, Madame la Présidente. Thank you very much, uh, Madam Speaker. Uh, My question, have, do I understand that it's automatic if there are allegations of criminal activities, uh, is it automatic that it's referred for an investigation or inquiry? Or is this something the agencies uh, check on before approving? Uh, the impact of Russian state actors, we saw their impact in the 2016 election of Donald Trump uh, in the Brexit referendum, the massive subsidies going into the United Kingdom Conservative Party. And that is a scandal that erupted when the report was issued after the Conservatives were reelected. And, of course, uh, we've had... Uh, Concerns raised about the connection, Russian state actors and the convoy uh, groups here in Canada, uh, reported by the National Observer and others, uh, that a lot of the public telegram channels were created or repurposed to support the freedom convoy. 
To what extent is there an ongoing evaluation of Russian dirty tricks when it comes to our democratic system? And have you seen any any impacts of this during our election campaign? So maybe I can answer one aspect of that, um, and that relates to the RRM, the rapid response mechanism that was established in 2018 um, by Canada in the context of the G7 to ensure that we were monitoring uh, disinformation and other online threats to our democracy. Um, and we've certainly been looking at Russian efforts at disinformation, Chinese and other actors. Uh, so this is something that we monitor on an ongoing basis um, in both English and French media, but also foreign language media, um, because you're absolutely right. This is something we need to monitor very carefully, uh, given its impact on our democracy. And the first question I asked, when there's potential violations in the intelligence you receive, is it automatic for the elections law? That is, uh, is it automatically referred? So, so automatic. Um, the community works together. Uh, the RCMP are part of the, 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 the team that, that looks at this information. So they do, in that sense, have ready access, automatic access to that information. Uh, obviously, the, the, um, the use of that information under the Elections Act or under the criminal law, that has to be considered between the two agencies. Uh, they both have their respective lanes uh, in, in which uh, they need to act. Um, but certainly that information is made readily available to the agencies who would be uh, needing to know the information. Thank you. And now we'll just finish this round with, um, let's do about three and a half, four minutes to Mr. Culkins, and then we will go to three and a half, four minutes to Mrs. Zahoda. Mr. Culkins. Thank you, Madam Chair. My question will be for Ms. Thomas. Um, would the Prime Minister ever be briefed or the Prime Minister's immediate aides ever be briefed on foreign interference without the presence of the National Security and Intelligence Advisor? I, I can't speak to what protocols existed before I uh, became the National Security Advisor. They are not briefed uh, on foreign interference by CSIS um, or an outside agency without my being present, or they haven't been to my knowledge unless I happen to be out of town, but then there would be an official there for me. In the event during an election campaign that a political entity lodged a complaint or provided intelligence during the election process that foreign interference was happening in a particular riding, would that information be shared with the Prime Minister? It would not. Where would that information go? That information comes from the security cleared member um, of each party that has been discussed in terms of how we, they will... Uh, interact with the panel, and that information would go to the panel of five and the site team. Thank you very much. I just want to talk a little bit about a comment that you made at the Defense Committee in December of 2022, where you said no money was exchanged during the 2019 election, and I believe your quote was, the news stories that you've read about interference are just that, news stories, and uh, we have not seen any money going to 11 candidates, period. Can you confirm that those were your words before the Defence Committee? I can't confirm that that was my exact quote, but the connection that was being made between 11 candidates and $250,000 um, is inaccurate. So in light of the stories that have come out this week, including those from Robert Fife and Stephen Chase, about an illegal donation to the Trudeau Foundation in 2015, do you still feel 
like your statements from that December are accurate? feel that my statements from that statement about that particular situation were accurate. Would you confirm with me that because you've referred to the uh, NSACOP committee uh, as a, a mechanism that we can be assured that information is being shared, can you confirm that a member of NSACOP is not allowed to share information with his or her colleagues or his or her leader? That is the premise of that committee. And that would be your expectation, that information it, would be shared? It would be my expectation. Would an NSACOP report ever be released to the public without going through your office or the Prime Minister's office? Uh, the, the committee's uh, unredacted reports uh, are shared with the Prime Minister and redacted reports are released to the public. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Mrs. Sohoda, three minutes to you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, my question is to Ms. Thomas. Uh, I understand that CSIS has authorities to disrupt attempts of foreign interference. And uh, while you probably can't get into operational matters, can you explain the types of tools that CSIS has available to disrupt foreign interference? And um, if there's any specifics, I'd like to um, specifically have you mention what those tools are. I don't think those are um, comments that I can make in an open forum. Okay. Um, how about, for example, if CSIS was aware that a foreign official, more specifically someone who works at a consulate trying to interfere in a Canadian election, um, would CSIS have the mandate to respond? Could they, for instance, uh, endeavor to use a tool and um, just go and speak to that official at that consulate? Certainly, they can use threat reduction measures, um, which is what they're formally called, to go speak to an individual. And, and they can also um, speak to uh, the person being targeted. Can, can you assure this committee that CSIS endeavors to use the tools, at least, even if you can't get into specifics of what those tools are, that they at least endeavor to use those tools if uh, and when they feel that there is a need because of foreign intervention, uh, foreign interference? Uh, yes, I can assure this committee that CSIS leans forward and uses the tools at its disposal um, to the fullest extent possible and mandated by law and their act. Um, so, so the instances we've been hearing about in the global news reports, uh, do you feel, to your knowledge, that CSIS did use the tools that they have at their disposal uh, to intervene in these matters? Uh, again, I'm not going to speak about specific cases and uh, jeopardize the work that CSIS does. The director of CSIS has more leeway to answer that question about his specific work than I do. Okay, and I intend to explore those questions with them as well. Thank you. Is that, that it, Mrs. Hoda? Yes. Excellent. Wow. Um, with that, I would like to thank our, our guests for joining us today. Thank you for your time and attention. If there's uh, additional information as has been requested, we look forward to you submitting it to the clerk and we'll share it with all members of the committee. With that, I wish you a really good day and thank you for the good work you do. We will suspend briefly and have the next panel join us. Thank you. You are watching a parliamentary committee up on the hill behind me looking into allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 
election. On the stand there, you heard question from a number of members of parliament. Jody Thomas, she is the prime minister's national security and intelligence advisor. You heard, though, her time in that role started after the 2021 election. So there were a number of questions she couldn't answer about what actually happened during that period. However, there was a lot that Ms. Thomas did say, uh, including the fact that she thinks that an inquiry, if one happens into these allegations, would be best suited to happen in the committee that is made up of uh, members of parliament who are kind of sworn to secrecy about top, uh, top secret and classified documents. It's a national security committee. She says the better venue for that inquiry would be there versus uh, a public inquiry, which is exactly what the leader of the Conservative Party and the leader of the New Democratic Party are calling for. We also heard from the Deputy Minister of Public Safety who indicated, uh, and this is a, a substantial takeaway from what we've heard so far, that the RCMP is not and has not been investigating any attempts at interference from the 2021 election. So there is no criminal investigation underway. You heard the chair of that committee say they'll come back with a whole host of new intelligence officials. In the meantime, I want to bring in my colleague, CTV News senior political correspondent, Glenn McGregor, as well as Canada's former ambassador to China, Guy Saint-Jacques, who have been listening in this afternoon. Hi to both of you. Good to have you with us. Uh, Guy, I want to start with you. Uh, anything you heard there from those officials that kind of deflates the call for an inquiry? Or do you still think one would be uh, necessary and helpful? <clears throat> well, I still think that one uh, inquiry would be useful. Of course, uh, Mrs. Thomas raised important questions in terms of uh, who can have access uh, to uh, information. But uh, I would argue that we are at the stage where maybe someone uh, like uh, Justice uh, Arbou would be an appropriate person because she would be able to look at sensitive information and be able to fully assess what has been going on in terms of foreign interference. There are many questions that remain. You know, I noticed that Mrs. Thomas Eisen from Global Affairs who said that, in fact, there was monitoring of what was said on uh, uh, in the press uh, and including also in uh, foreign language languages uh, media in Canada. But there I would like to know a lot more about uh, uh, how much monitoring was done on WeChat, for instance, because we know that the uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, activity by uh, uh, the Chinese to, to spread disinformation uh, on WeChat. Uh, another interesting thing that uh, came out of the uh, hearing uh, so far is the fact that uh, uh, CSIS does not share uh, necessarily its uh, evidence with the, the RCMP. Of course, there are mm -hmm. uh, uh, things that the CSIS does, does not want to, to talk about in terms of how it gathers evidence, but this creates a challenge. And in fact, if you look at the Boris Rosenberg report, uh, he mentioned the fact that there, there's a need to better coordinate work between uh, uh, various uh, agencies. And uh, I would uh, conclude also with regard to uh, the report of Mr. Rosenberg that, in fact, he was dealing with, he, he had a limited uh, mandate. And what I'm afraid of is that uh, he has been looking at the tip of the iceberg. We now have right. to look at, at the rest of the iceberg, and uh, I would have a few suggestions for uh, uh, on that.
And, and really that leads, Glenn, to the, the central political question here, which is whether or not there's going to be right. an additional mechanism to look into the scope of this issue. The government has poured cold water on it. Right. This testimony largely pulled, poured, attempted to do the same thing, and, and did it? And may have had the, the effect of doing that, too. So you have the NDP and the Conservatives both saying, and with a motion before this committee, the Parliament, uh, the, uh, the uh, PROC committee, uh, calling on the government to convene a full public inquiry, listing the people they would like to see called, including Katie Telford, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, people who were involved in the election, with the parties during the election. That's not going to happen. Even if that motion passes, it's in no way binding on the government to do it. They don't have to uh, do that. I think what you heard in Jody Thomas's testimony is, if you were of that view that a public inquiry isn't the right venue, the lack of kind of information you're getting from her, first of all, because she wasn't in that role until January of 2022, after these uh, things are uh, alleged to have happened. And also she's saying, we just can't discuss this stuff right. in public, right? This is really confidential, sensitive stuff. Uh, it can't be shared publicly and it has to be done in camera. So you could imagine a public inquiry in which a substantial part of the testimony is done in camera, people not allowed to watch on television or in the room, wondering how useful that would be as opposed to some other model where uh, and, uh, Mr. Saint-Jacques suggests Louise Arbour, who would be uh, an esteemed jurist, who would be, probably be well-suited to that if she could come in and look at it. But that's not what the New Democrats want. It's not what uh, the Conservatives want either. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one other thing I want to comment on is, is a sort of surprising remark by Sean Tupper, who's the Deputy Minister of Public Safety, saying the RCMP yeah. is not investigating anything from the 2021 uh, election. Uh, that could be both more and less than what it sounds like. Uh, generally, the RCMP never comments on whether they have an investigation underway. Just, yeah, that, that's what's One way or the other, yeah. that was a little bit striking. But it also doesn't mean that there isn't investigations being done. Because if some of the allegations we've seen, some of the reporting by some of our other media colleagues, the allegations made about uh, for example, you know, busing in students to a nomination meeting or uh, businesses getting paid by the Chinese government to employ students to go volunteer. Those will be violations of the Elections Act, which are not typically investigated by the RCMP. They're investigated by Elections Canada and specifically by the Commissioner of Canada Elections. So uh, that would be a good question to hear whether they have any investigation underway. Although my experience dealing with that agency is they never say one way or the other. You have to look for the paper trail and, and find out whether they're actually doing it. Those comments kind of lead me also, uh, Guy, to the point that Ms. Uh, Ms. Thomas made around intelligence not necessarily becoming evidence. And, and I feel like that's where um, a lot of the discussion ends up being, right? Because all of the reporting that's being done right now certainly focuses on intelligence that's out there. And maybe it's not evidence, but the fact that CSIS does have worries about the degree to which China allegedly attempted to interfere is, I think, what's on the face of it worrying Canadians, regardless of the fact of whether or not it's produced tangible evidence at this moment. And, and I think, you know, the uh, there are things that could be done in terms of uh, trying to, to go to the, the bottom of this. For instance, uh, you know, the, I would assume that all the candidates maintain uh, uh, rosters of uh, volunteers who came uh, to help out. And so it would be possible to look at the names and to, to go to these people and uh, ask them questions about uh, what was their role, uh, were they paid, uh, and, and see and try to get uh, information. Also, and maybe this is work that could be done by uh, uh, a good journalist, but uh, 
I would like to see a statistical analysis of the results of the uh, 2021 elections in the, the, the some 11 uh, uh, writings that uh, were the most uh, under, uh, under scrutiny. For instance, I would like to know uh, the number of uh, voters compared to the, the previous election, and also uh, whether there were uh, wild swings in terms of support for any candidate compared to the other writings. Because when you look at the overall results of the 2021 election with 2019, uh, in fact, we ended up with more or less uh, the, the same result uh, at the end. But there were uh, a number of writings where there were uh, substantial change, uh, and I think that uh, this would confirm that these writing needs are more uh, scrutiny. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I would hope also that Caesars would give enough information either to the RCMP or to the election commissioner uh, to further investigate uh, the, you know, uh, the, the whether amounts of money were given uh, by uh, business people to uh, to students. I, I think there's quite a bit of work that uh, that needs to, to be done. Another thing that uh, I would like to see is uh, a timetable. Uh, when uh, were briefings given to the, the prime minister uh, and uh, what kind of uh, information was available at the time and what action, if any, uh, was taken? Because when, when you hear about... Uh, uh, developments in uh, in recent weeks uh, and months, it, it seems like if uh, there were uh, uh, no action t taken by the, uh, the, the government, and now we have this cloud over the uh, results of the, uh, the the last, especially the last uh, election, uh, uh, right. about the integrity of our system. Um, I, the committee's about to get back underway, so I, I just want to go to you, Glenn, for a last word. And, and just a couple of things to jump off what, what Guy said. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting today that Mr. Polyev, the leader of the Conservative Party, was asked very directly, do you believe that the outcome of, of this election is right. in jeopardy or question? And he was unequivocal in answering. It was, no. no, they don't want to get put in that position where they're starting to sound it, like it, election deniers in the United States. And we have to be clear about the line, too, right? Nobody's saying that at this Mr. point. Mr. saint raising the issue of, you know, what was the outcome in these 11 writings? How much? How did it change? It's impossible to know, even if there was, as alleged, Chinese interference of the kind that we've seen in some of the media reports, whether or not that actually made a difference in any of those writings. It's very hard to it's, measure. That's what that report It's impossible to measure. Said. And you've got to remember that the Conservative campaign uh, under Aaron O'Toole in 2021 was very bellicose and, and aggressive against China generally. People who were from mainland China didn't all respond the same way to that. A lot of people may not have liked it. Remember we heard some of the debate uh, after Mr. O'Toole uh, left his job about whether or not we had from a, from a, um, a member of the, of the party board he was very dissatisfied uh, in the Conservative Party's messaging against China during the campaign. He thought it cost them seats in the lower mainland, in British Columbia, possibly in Markham and around there in, in, in the GTA. So that's, again, you can't disaggregate all those things and say, really this is the to. Chinese interference that cost 
the Conservative Party this seat or cost the Liberal Party this seat in this writing. They can't do it. I think the political question is, it's true that it's very, very almost impossible to disaggregate it, but I guess what, what the opposition is asking for is more clarity on the scope of what that interference would have I think have everybody been. wants but that yeah, now. Yeah, 100%. Okay, Mr. Sejak and uh, Glenn, thank you very much, both of you, for, for joining me and for your analysis. We're going to swing back to that committee because, as I mentioned, it's just getting... Back underway, we are slated to hear from even more top intelligence officials who are briefed and up to date on the issue of potential foreign interference. We'll look to see how much they're able to say. Provided points of contact to all 16 federal registered political parties for further discussion on cybersecurity challenges related to Canada's democratic process. In so doing, uh, Political parties or candidates uh, were provided with points of contact should they encounter any suspicious cyber activity, and CSE designated a quick response uh, point of contact for them. In addition to our contributions through site, CSC has also issued numerous unclassified publications, advice, and guidance to inform Canadians about current trends. I can assure you that all of the site members here take all allegations of foreign interference very seriously. Même si le système électoral du Canada est fort, l'ingérence étrangère peut menacer l'intégrité de nos institutions, particulièrement si elle sert à semer le doute par rapport au processus et à miner la confiance de la population à cet égard. We will continue to work within our respective mandates to protect Canadians and raise awareness about the serious threat of foreign interference to our country. Thank you again for the invitation to appear, and I welcome any questions you may have. Thank you very much for those comments. We will start with six-minute rounds, starting with Mr. Cooper, followed by Mrs. Romanado, suivi par Madame Normandin, et puis Mr. Julian. Mr. Cooper, the floor is yours. Uh, thank you very much, Madam Chair, and uh, thank you to all of the witnesses for being here. I'm going to ask my first question to Ms. Denham. Uh, a rapid response mechanism, open data analysis, dated September 13th, 2021, entitled, so that would have been at during the 2021 election to provide some context, uh, entitled GE44, Chinese Communist Party social media accounts spreading negative narratives about the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, this analysis, which uh, we've obtained through access to information that I will table before this committee when I have a translated uh, copy, uh, includes the following key findings. Quote, RRM Canada has observed what may be a Chinese Communist Party CCP information operation that aims to discourage Canadians of Chinese heritage from voting for the Conservative Party of Canada. End of quote. And further, uh, further finding, key finding, is, quote, the narrative has grown in considerable scale. End of quote. Uh, was this analysis shared with the CEIPP election panel. Thank you, Chair, for that question. Microphone on? Okay, thank you. Um, thank you for the question and for that report. Yes. Um, so in that report, uh, any of the reports that the RRM produced was shared uh, with the panel. Um, what I would like to just note in, in that report, it does say that it may be. Uh, again, what we do is we do open source analytics of the information environment. Thank you very much yeah. for that. Um, around the same time, there was... Uh, disinformation that was tracked on certain 
Chinese language social media platforms such as WeChat and Weibo. And uh, some of that, some of the themes uh, included disinformation about then Member of Parliament Kenny Chu's uh, private member's bill uh, around uh, foreign agent registry, and it, it's noted in the Rosenberg uh, report. Um, in, in the face of the key findings, a uh, key finding in the analysis of September 13th, and given additional disinformation about conservative candidates that was being spread on social media platforms at any point, uh, did the task force provide any warnings on any of these Chinese language social media platforms that there was misinformation being spread around to warn the public? So thank you, Chair. So if I understand your question is whether or not any information was shared with the public? Any, any warning, any warning about misinformation or disinformation in the face of the fact that such disinformation had been monitored and identified by the site task force. Thank you. Thank you for that clarification. So, as I said, in that report, what we were indicating, what we were noticing was that it could be that we were we were seeing amplification. That's what we look for is artificial amplification of content in the social media landscape. So we were flagging uh, the reality that there was that amplification. But in that report, we were not able to ascertain whether it was well, directed so, by. A foreign and I, I, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but my time is limited and my question was specific. Was any warning issued to alert the public about disinformation that had been identified? And I would note that, you know, when we talk about, for example, WeChat, there are 600,000 WeChat users in the lower mainland. That's a, a lot of people on WeChat. So it gives uh, an idea of the magnitude to which this disinformation uh, was spreading around uh, throughout uh, the Lower Mainland uh, and uh, causing uh, voters to be uh, misled about Mr. Chu and about the Conservative Party. That's a big deal. So was any warning issued, yes or no? I, I, I take it the answer yes. is no, but can you just confirm that? The I'm just going to pause real yeah. quick because I get to do this every so often, but I just did it in the last session. So I think, and I respect that it is your time, Mr. Cooper, we have asked our guests to come and we have to provide them some opportunity to provide some information as well. So, Ms. Denham, the floor to you. Thank you for the question, Madam Chair. So the role of the RM is to identify potential tactics or uh, campaigns to amplify information. As well as has been explained, any of that information, our role is also to brief the panel on that information. And the panel then takes consideration of not only information we are seeing, but the full spectrum of information that they're being provided. And it is the panel that then makes a decision. What I can say in this instance just is... To, just to clarify, is, are you saying that it would be up to the panel to make a decision such as issuing a warning? The panel, in terms of the protocol that is in place during the RIP period, it is the it is the panel that makes the assertion if any public announcement is made. Again, in this instance, what I can say is without an ability to identify it was a foreign entity, Thank you very it much. could have been made, amplification made, made from Canadian clear. content. And I want to ask... Point of order. Uh, well, okay. 
Mr. Turnbull. Good order, Madam Chair. Well, I mean, with all due respect to my colleagues here, we're trying to uh, give people the space and time to answer legitimate questions, and we're undertaking a really important discussion. As you've said, Madam Chair, I would really appreciate it if we could uh, give our witnesses the ample time to actually answer the questions instead of talking over them. With the, the hybrid capacity, it's also harder to hear what's happening um, for people who are watching. So I do think we should be mindful of that. Um, I am going to give the floor back to Mr. Cooper. You've got 10 seconds. Okay. Well, I guess my time has expired. Ms. Denham, did you want to just finish the point that you, you were just saying something? Um, just for the purposes of clarity, uh, because of the hybrid nature, as you said, the, the main message here is that, yes, we saw the amplification of content, but we were not able to ascertain if it was from a foreign entity or within domestic sources. And that is our role, is to actually flag what we're seeing uh, for an analysis. Mrs. Romanato, up to six minutes to you. Thank you very much, Madam Chair, and through you, I'd like to thank the witnesses for being with us today. Um, my first question is for Mrs. Taib. Um, you mentioned in your opening remarks a little bit of the overview of the task force. Can you uh, confirm when the task force was created? Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for that question. The task force was created in uh, 2018. So, so based on that, obviously this... Um, coordination was not in place prior to the 2019 election. So previous elections did not have this level of coordination in terms of uh, verifying and monitoring uh, potential uh, interference. Is that correct? Uh, what I would say to that is not, uh, that, that's a fair point, not in this particular format. However, the security intelligence agencies that are represented here today uh, have always worked very closely together uh, on foreign interference or any threats to any electoral processes. Uh, what we didn't have in place was the formal arrangement uh, that, that I spoke about earlier today, uh, which is not to say that the coordination and the collaboration was not already taking place prior to then. Perfect. And as we heard in the previous panel, the, the question of interference or attempts uh, in interference is not something that is new. So I, I, I assume in the creation of the uh, task force, this was really just to formalize, as you said, the, the coordination and sharing of information. You also talked a little bit about the briefings that are provided uh, to a panel of senior public servants who serve on the panel and the political parties. Uh, that participate in this pro process. Could you give us a little, uh, a little more information on the types of briefings and the frequency that would have been provided? Uh, yes, indeed. And thank you uh, again, Madam Chair, for that question. Um, uh, I would say uh, important to note uh, every briefing was slightly different. Uh, I would say in both the 2019 and 2021 elections, uh, the briefings commenced with what I would call um, an overall threat briefing uh, to provide a lay of the land, to provide um, the political party representatives an expectation of what we generally see in the, in the security and intelligence community, what we view as an ongoing uh, foreign interference in, uh, in Canadian society, what it looks like, what are some of the tactics used. Uh, so we would call that a general 
uh, threat brief, which would uh, have been part of the first brief. And in addition to some other logistics, we would have solicited views from the, the members in terms of um, how often they would like to be briefed, uh, were there any uh, additional considerations they wanted us to be mindful of, uh, and we would introduce ourselves and we would um, uh, walk through any logistics. Um, subsequent briefings uh, happened uh, I would not on uh, an exactly precise regular basis, but I would say uh, every couple of weeks uh, throughout uh, the election campaign. Um, uh, and then uh, so with I would call them a f each in 2019 and in 2021 um, would be uh, a few, uh, you know, three, four, five, let's say, per uh, elect election campaign. But there wasn't a there. I couldn't say that there was a set schedule uh, on both occasions. Perfect. And um, based on the briefings that would have been provided to the ta uh, provided by the task force to senior public servants and on the panel, uh, they determined there was no incident or incidents that would have impacted the integrity of the election. Is that correct? Uh, sorry. Now I'm I'm maybe I did I misunderstand your first question? I thought you were asking me about political parties. Is that I just want to confirm that I answered correctly the first time. Yes, you did. Oh, perfect. The, okay, the thanks. Uh, sorry, and now yeah, understood. And the panel similarly. Um, so yes, uh, panel. The panel was briefed uh, on a regular frequency uh, by the site uh, task force in both uh, electoral campaigns, uh, and ultimately did not find there to have been information that would reach the threshold uh, required to advise Canadians. Thank you very much. And um, on the previous panel, we heard from Miss um, Thomas, and we heard often about the fact that they are guardians of protected information, that there is a duty to protect uh, national security, um, and the role is to detect, deter, and to counter um, foreign interference. She also mentioned that, obviously, in this forum, we are in, in public, that members of PROC do not have the level of uh, security clearance to be able to uh, receive some of the briefings that for ha perhaps ENSICOP or other uh, um, uh, public servants would have received. Is that accurate? And in, for the sake of our national security, we obviously cannot uh, have this uh, information in the public domain. Would you agree with that? Uh, thank you very much for that uh, excellent question. Indeed, uh, I very much agree with that. Um, Classified information, by its very nature, is is that which is very sensitive. It it uh, could endanger uh, human beings. It could endanger really sensitive um, uh, techniques and tools that are utilized by the by the intelligence community. And revealing uh, sensitive information uh, certainly uh, poses uh, a risk to to Canada and Canadians should uh, that information become available to our adversaries. And one quick question. Obviously, this is an evolving um, threat that uh, what you have may have seen in the 2019 election, what you may see in 2020 and 2021, would it be accurate to say that um, the site task force is constantly evaluating um, the methods that you use in terms of being able to gather this information? Thank you so much. I think that is an excellent question, and and we we have said that uh, on several occasions. The threat environment is challenging. Uh, it is evolving. Uh, that the techniques being used are more sophisticated, and the site uh, task force members continue to meet to discuss those and evolve our techniques and ensure that we can can keep uh, 
uh, keep pace with those developments. Thank you. Madame Normanda, just uh, six minutes for you. Six minutes for you. Thank you to the panel for being here. I'd like to come back to information that I think is important. So as soon as we knew that there was a disinformation campaign and the source was identified and it's artificially uh, uh, it's artificially uh, amplified, uh, this is when you should tell the public, right? If I to, to make sure that I understood the question, indeed, we are tracking those trends on a regular basis. Those trends uh, and any information that we have as individual members are briefed to the panel. The panel will make a decision whether that reaches a threshold that requires a public announcement. So if at that time there's not absolute certainty that there was an artificially amplified campaign, but there are certain doubts on the origin of the source of disinformation, is there a risk at that time that we can't make a recommendation of, to advertise to make sure that there isn't a double campaign? Thank you. Um, so I think maybe if I can provide a bit of context into what we're, we've we've heard in this panel has heard a lot about how difficult it is in a disinformation landscape. Um, so what I would say is, you know, we when we look for artificial amplification, we want to understand that landscape. We're continually learning about it. But if we're not able to ascertain that there is a foreign aspect that is behind that, that is, that is uh, pushing that amplification, then from, again, from our perspective, that is not something that we would be focused on. Uh, we want to be very careful that there's also the ability for Canadians to actually be ex fully expressing their uh, opinions. And so we don't look at the national dialogue. We're looking for foreign interference. So when we can't see that, uh, we, don't, we don't focus on that. that. Is there not a risk then that with the more and more specialized interference technology, we can never be completely certain that there's a source of disinformation that's external or artificial in television. And we are always going around with protocols and we're not advising the public enough. Can we not be certain just to take a chance so that we can put in this uh, kind of protocol? And I don't want to prejudge um, the decision making of the panel members. Uh, from our perspective, uh, you'll hear that we are, are mandated to focus our, our attention on, on uh, foreign interference and foreign influence activities. We don't monitor um, uh, any of us, the uh, uh, internal dialogue of Canadians uh, who have the right to express themselves. Um, Having said that, and, and as Tara had indicated, that we would we would brief the panel, and the the panel could, and and this might be something to ask the panel, um, if they determined that there was uh, sufficient impact, because the the again that the threshold for the for the panel is, does this information threaten Canada's ability to hold a free and fair election? Mm -hmm. uh, I, su I suppose if, uh, uh, if they felt that that threshold was met, even in the absence of a foreign interference, they, they could choose to do that. Um, I think we are not in a position to, to talk through what their considerations might have been in a particular circumstance, but I hope that answers your question. I'd like to hear about the feedback between you uh, the, and the panel. Did the panel keep you aware? of actions that might 
they might take to counter disinformation and in for sure fair or more equitable elections. Did we advise you of this? The the nature of the, the discussions with the panel were uh, that our role, at least as site members, was to provide them with the information. Um, certainly, uh, they would have had follow-up questions, uh, asking us for updates uh, on, on any information that we would have provided and seeking additional information. Um, but the, the, dis the deliberations of the panel in terms of, of, of uh, any decision-making would have been their own, and, and we were not involved in those discussions. So if the panel had suggestions, tips to put in place to ensure transparent and fair elections, they didn't necessarily ask you if it would be, what should it be, would it be effective or effective? Um, over the next few minutes, but right now I want to head live over to British Columbia where the Prime Minister is just about to take questions from reporters. Let's take a listen in live. Interference into our democracies, into our election processes. We share that concern. This is an extraordinarily serious issue. And to reassure people, we've been taking it seriously since back in 2015 when we got elected. Um, from the very beginning, we noted, uh, as we saw increased election interference from countries like China, Iran, Russia, and others in democracies around the world, we knew we needed to step up Canada's tools to counter foreign influence uh, and uh, interference in our democratic processes. So we did. We stepped up uh, to create a protocol for the 2019 and 2021 elections to notify Canadians in the event our ability to have free and fair elections are threatened. It includes a panel of senior public servants informed by national security agencies and reviewed after every election. Uh, the latest review on 2021 just came Sabe. out and confirms uh, that our election integrity held in 2021 as it did in 2019. When we were hosting the G7 in 2018 in Charlevoix, uh, we created a rapid re response mechanism for democracies to be able to move quickly against foreign interference. We move forward with a digital citizen initiative uh, that is allowing Canadians to be more empowered to see misinformation and disinformation and see the impact of foreign governments in uh, what we're doing. In 2017, we created a National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians to be able to have parliamentary oversight by all parties over our national security agencies. This was something that we had argued for uh, against the Conservatives when they were in government for many years. And we were able to bring that in. And now NSI COP has the capacity uh, to look into election interference and have the top secret clearances necessary to see everything that's being done. These are the kinds of things that we have been doing from the very beginning. In 2018, we passed legislation that strengthens election financing laws to keep foreign money out. This past June, we introduced legislation to protect cybersecurity, and we're working on creating a foreign agent registry. So we have been taking this issue extraordinarily seriously. We've been empowering our national security agencies and officials to pursue the issue of ongoing interference. We have been speaking about the dangers of foreign interference since well before the 2019 election, and we will continue to step up on this. 
right now, as we speak, in Ottawa, there's a parliamentary committee hearings going on where our national security agencies and officials are testifying to uh, what happened, what go, what's been going on, uh, what they've been seeing in an open and transparent way. Because we need to keep two things. We need to keep making sure that our agencies and our officials have all the tools necessary in an independent, nonpartisan way to ensure that our democracy and our institutions hold and our elections remain free and fair. And secondly, to make sure that Canadians <clears throat> can continue to have confidence in our institutions, in our democracy, in our elections. That's what this government has done from the very beginning. It is a responsibility we have always taken very seriously, and it is one we will continue to uphold. Je comprends à quel point les Canadiens sont inquiets, même perturbés, par les différentes nouvelles qu'ils entendent depuis des jours et des semaines par rapport à l'ingérence et l'interférence par la Chine et d'autres pays dans nos processus démocratiques, dans nos élections. Nous partageons ces préoccupations. En fait, nous partageons ces préoccupations depuis qu'on a formé un gouvernement. The Prime Minister is taking questions in British Columbia on the allegations related to elections meddling. You can see in the corner of your screen there is a committee going on right now on Parliament Hill tasked with investigating those allegations. Um, and we are standing by to listen to the Prime Minister's responses to that. He's speaking in French right now. We're having some issues with our translation. So as soon as he starts talking English again, I'll, I'll head back there. But basically what he said so far is essentially going over a itemized list of everything the Prime Minister would say supports the argument he's put forth, which is that contrary to what his critics say in the opposition, his government is taking the issue of foreign interference very seriously. His critics say well, then you should hold a public inquiry or an inquiry of some sort. And so far, up until and including today, the prime minister has rebuffed those claims or those asks, rather, those calls, including in the statement he just made right now. Uh, he went over a number of measures that the government has taken with regards to allegations of foreign interference or the issue of it. Uh, and much of that has been discussed at this committee as well. So, for example, the committee that we're hearing for from rather at this moment uh, the, the people who are testifying before that committee are all part of a task force which is aimed specifically at looking for signs of foreign interference and then flagging them to another panel, the site panel, which also was set up by this government. That panel is tasked with deducing whether or not that intelligence around foreign, interfe foreign interference rather meets the bar of flagging it to the public. Then you go a further step, and what the Prime Minister outlined as well is the work of that panel in the 2019 election and now just in the 2021 election has been reviewed by, in this case, a gentleman named Morris Rosenberg. His report came out just yesterday, and it concluded that the panel did not find evidence or did not feel that the bar or the threshold had been met to say that the integrity of our elections had been compromised. And that is certainly what the Prime Minister is echoing. As I mentioned, he is continuing to take questions from reporters on this issue. Uh, he'll, whenever he gets uh, an, a chance to answer in English again, I'll, I'll return there. But right now he is speaking French and uh, our translation has some issues.
at the same time as he is taking those questions, he is very much uh, under a lot of pressure from members of the opposition who today joined in a concerted chorus to say they are asking for a, a public inquiry. Both conservative leader Pierre Polyev as well as the NDP leader says that they are in favor of one. We'll swing back to the prime minister now who has inquiry. returned to taking uh, questions. Into the issue of, of potential foreign influence into elections. How will your how will your government respond to that request? I think one of the most important things to remember is we have an awful lot of mechanisms that are underway right now around uh, determining what kind of foreign interference has happened, is continuing to happen, and demonstrating the tools we have. Right now, as we're speaking, our parliamentary committee is hearing directly from uh, national security experts uh, and officials as to the work that they've been doing over the past many years to counter ongoing uh, interference. We also know that the National Security Committee of Parliamentarians uh, is going to uh, dig into this question, as they have in the past as well. There are multiple processes ongoing. There are uh, report, a report that just came out, an independent report that just came out on the functioning of the high panel uh, for election interference. But we will continue to do what is necessary to reach those two clear goals that Canadians can expect. First of all, that our agencies and officials and institutions have all the tools necessary to safeguard our democracy and our elections. And two, that Canadians can continue to have confidence, not just in our national security officials, but in the integrity of our democracies. We will continue uh, to work to make sure that that happens. Follow-up? I have a follow-up question for Premier Eby. In the health agreement, our understanding is that there is a immediate more than $200 million uh, contribution to, to the agreement. How will that be prioritized in BC? There's a lot of uh, rural ERs uh, sort of closing on weekends. Thanks. Uh, we know that, uh, that the acute uh, situation in many of our hospitals and, uh, and is particularly challenging in rural communities. Uh, where communities have lost doctors, uh, where the strain following the pandemic has hit particularly hard. Uh, there are two components uh, to the additional uh, money brought to the table by the federal government for our health care system. There's a uh, $200 million component uh, that is immediately available to the province. Uh, this money will go to absolutely uh, supporting uh, emergency care in the province, supporting strained hospitals. It is in the context of a budget yesterday where we announced $6.4 billion over the next three years for our health care system. So I want to uh, certainly express appreciation uh, for the federal government's partnership because that money is one small piece of what we're announcing today. What the federal government is committed to for us is stable funding for the next 10 years for our health care system. And that is critically important for us for planning and moving forward. Additional money for shared priorities. Uh, which are things like long-term care, mental health care, uh, and other pieces, as well as that $200 million. In terms of the situation faced in our hospitals, uh, especially in uh, smaller centres, uh, the piece that's really going to make the difference here is about getting the people with the skills that are on the sidelines right now into our healthcare system. Uh, so the agreement we reached with the College of Physicians and Surgeons 
where uh, internationally trained doctors that have the expertise can work under the supervision of a BC doctor immediately and get to work in our hospitals, in our care centers, and also the 90 additional spots uh, for internationally trained doctors to get their skills up to speed to work in BC hospitals as quickly as possible. Those have a return of service component where they work in rural communities. That's where we're going to see the traction uh, and that's where we're going to see uh, the reversal of some of the challenges we've seen coming out of the pandemic of stressed out healthcare workers that, especially in rural communities where they are the front line uh, facing, uh, facing very serious demands where the support and relief is gonna come for them and by extension for the people in the communities that are counting on them. Next question. Bonjour, Will de Radio Canada. The question will be for you, Mr. Trudeau. The three opposition parties want a public inquiry in the Beijing's uh, interference in the 2021 election. Are you able to trigger one? Are you uh, committing to starting a public inquiry? I think everyone agrees that this is an extremely serious issue. Interference into our elections and our democratic institutions, we've been talking about it in our parliament for years. We've put in mechanisms and tools, uh, the uh, public service panel, the our uh, information security system, the G7 mechanisms, we put in a parliamentary committee for national security and all these authorities, independent, nonpartisan authorities, are working on these issues and they have done so for many years now. We can see that the result of the work of the panel for the 2021 election with uh, the report that was shared publicly yesterday and today, the parliamentary committee is talking about directly with our experts in national security and various public servants who have the, who are in charge of that. But at the same time, we will let this process continue, but we will always be there, obviously, to do more and more to provide tools to our national security agents to counter these recurring threats to the integrity of our democracy by China and others, but also to reassure Canadians that our, inter our institutions are uh, valid and solid in our 2019 and 21 elections were valid. And I'm not the only one who says it. I'm not the one saying it. These are experts in national security who worked on this very issue with their expertise, and they were nonpartisan during the elections to make sure that Canadians could have this uh, trust. So, on the public inquiry, are you committing, yes or no, to start one? Currently, we have many public processes that are being held. The Parliamentary Committee, the Parliamentarian Committee on National Security has the ability to cover top secret issues, classified information. We have a report from this panel of public servants sharing with Canadians and studying right now. We have many, many steps and we're always open to do more 
to goal to deal with the two main preoccupations Canadians have. First, for our institutions to be robust and have the tools needed to counter foreign interference, and that Canadians be reassured of the integrity of our elections and democratic processes. Thank you, uh, Brenna Owen with the Canadian Press. We've touched on some of this, but I do have a question from my colleagues in Ottawa. And um, his report on the critical election in incident public protocol, Morris Rosenberg recommended Ottawa explore lowering the threshold for when to notify Canadians about potential interference in an election campaign. Are you open to the public being notified about this interference during a campaign, even if it involves like one riding or community? Uh, the... Uh panel on election interference uh, looks at the whole of the election in all ridings at the national level, but also looks at what's happening on particular ridings because uh, Elections Canada and uh, CSIS and our security agencies are constantly uh, working together to ensure that everywhere uh, our institution is strong and our elections are fair. Um, we are absolutely very much looking at the recommendations uh, that are put forward in that report. They are uh, important and excellent recommendations on every single one. There are lines to be drawn. There are consequences for uh, moving forward on them that have to be carefully looked at. Uh, the impact of an announcement of a threat of interference in the middle of an election campaign um, could be difficult to measure, and we have to make sure we're getting it right. But there are very, very good questions posed uh, in that report that we're going to study carefully. And then I, I certainly expect that we will have many conversations on not just as a government, uh, but as a society on the best way to empower Canadians uh, to go into the voting booth with full understanding of uh, what's going on and what pressures may be brought to bear on them and misinformation and disinformation and interference, while at the same time uh, not being seen to uh, tip the scales one way or another uh, because of uh, concerns that people are, are highlighting. It is an important thing to get the tools right to protect our democracy, and I thank uh, Mr. Rosenberg uh, for his hard work and all his recommendations. We will look very carefully at them uh, and we will uh, continue working on them with Canadians. Follow-up question? I am going to just stay with the report. Um, it, it says the risk, uh, quote, that withholding information and having it come out after the election would decrease public confidence in the government's approach to countering election interference. Do you share that concern given the recent allegations? These are all concerns that we have. There are no easy answers when it comes uh, to where one draws the line on that. That's why we put those decisions in the hands of independent public servants, not in the hands of political parties. Uh, not just because uh, we can trust independent public servants, but also because Canadians will want to see uh, objective measures as, as uh, interference is is countered and publicized. Um, these are really important, very serious questions uh, to study, and we are absolutely uh, looking very, very carefully at all the report's recommendations. Last question. For the Prime Minister, this is Julie Nolan from Global National. Uh, when did you first learn of the CSIS allegations concerning Handong's alleged connection to China's election interference network? Um, the 
national security agencies in this country have been dealing with foreign interference for a very, very long time. And as a government, we've been talking about the impacts of foreign interference on Canadians uh, for many, many years, even as we're building up more and more tools for our institutions to defend ourselves, for our democracy to remain robust. And it's important that the greatest targets of foreign interference are diaspora communities themselves. The Chinese government goes after Chinese citizens and Chinese parliamentarians. The uh, Iranian uh, regime goes after uh, the Iranian diaspora. Russian speakers are more exposed to Russian misinformation and disinformation online and on the web. Every step of the way, we have ensured and continue to ensure that populations that are particularly vulnerable to uh, foreign interference uh, by uh, problematic state actors are properly supported and properly informed of the risks uh, that they are being targeted. This is something that we will continue to do. Follow up. Do you feel you should have been briefed about the allegations against Han Dong? As I said, as a government and as parliamentarians, we are uh, constantly uh, being engaged with by our security agencies uh, around how uh, to keep safe from foreign interference, how to make sure that we're able to stand and speak for our communities as members of parliament without having uh, to be impacted by uh, state actors from other countries, like China and others, who are specifically targeting uh, Chinese-Canadian communities or Iranian-Canadian communities or others. This is one of those things that this government has taken more steps on than any previous government, and we will continue to take this issue extremely seriously. It's not a question of partisanship or partisan game at gain, as we are seeing uh, somewhere in some of the comments out there. This is about all of us standing together for the integrity of our democracies, of our institutions, because that's what Canadians can and must expect from their governments. This concludes our press conference. Ceci conclut notre conférence de presse. Thank you for your participation. The Prime Minister there in British Columbia taking a number of questions from reporters, primarily focused on what's happening in that box at the corner of your screen, and that is an investigation by our parliamentary committee into allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 federal election. You heard the Prime Minister there outline a number of measures his government has taken in order to combat uh, the concept of foreign interference, but a hard no again from the Prime Minister, as he has said many times in the last number of weeks to the idea put forth by opposition parties of holding a public inquiry. We're going to swing back to that committee to listen in for the final few minutes, and then we'll be here with analysis right after on PowerPlay provided information that was relevant to all parties, where there would have been specific uh, information uh, to, to provide to a particular party on a particular incident, uh, the site endeavored to have separate meetings with those uh, parties, sensitive issues, um, and that would be with the, the, the site agency that was, um, or a site department that was uh, responsible for that uh, particular incident. Et est-ce que c'est une décision qui émanait de vous ou du panel d'aller, par exemple, vers des, des candidats pour les aviser de, de possible ingérence dans la situation? Uh, 
maybe just to clarify, um, in in my answer, I was talking about the cleared political party representatives. Maybe you're asking about the the individual uh, uh, affected by that. I might ask my colleague to uh, to answer that. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Madam Chair. Through you, so there there is a provision with, within the protocol that allows uh, for um, outreach to an individual who we think is being targeted by foreign influence activity. Uh, my understanding is, is that decision can be taken by the deputy head of, of the agency, but I, I stand to be corrected on that. Um, Thank you. Do you want to finish your thought? Sorry. I just, we didn't put the timer on, so we went over, and I just, somebody might be timing this online so and being like, oh, it's gone over. Mr. Julian, two and a half minutes. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, uh, Madam Tayeb, I just want to come back uh, to your comments um, about the, the impact on local constituencies. You said we wouldn't make that distinction about something that could potentially have an impact at the constituency level. And so the information would be referred to the panel. But how would the panel be aware that this is potentially information that could be election determining or have an impact on the election at the local riding level? Uh, thank you very much uh, for that question um, and allowing me the opportunity to, to clarify. I think what I was intending to say is that uh, from, from the agencies represented here, uh, we reported any threat we saw. Uh, to the panel, uh, so whether it was uh, anything that we would have seen locally or that we would have seen at a national uh, level. So all of that information would go to the panel. Insofar as how the panel makes their determination, I really have to defer to, uh, to the members of the panel to, uh, to explain that. Okay. Uh, my last question is, you talked about amplification of information, and we know that there were allegations surrounding Chinese agents. We also know that there was, uh, there were many allegations of Russian interference. We saw this with Trump's election in 2016, with uh, the Brexit referendum in the UK, also uh, funding for the British Conservative Party. They were funded uh, directly by the Russians. Furthermore, there were allegations of uh, Russian interference in, uh, in the Freedom Convoy, the so-called Freedom Convoy. Now, when you look at uh, Chinese and Russian interference, how do we go about protecting ourselves from Chinese or Russian interference? Perhaps uh, I can start, Madam Chair, and, and others can add as appropriate. Um, what I would say is you're right in, in ascertaining the impact uh, can be challenging, but I think what this uh, committee has heard is that we understand that there is a intent by many countries to interfere uh, and that we really take it seriously to, to do everything we can to address that. A lot of the roles that we play is to actually understand what those threat vectors look like. Uh, and so it's constantly trying to learn 
learn. Uh, I can speak for the RRM. That's part of what we contribute is we're trying to understand what that threat looks like against Canada. But as you said, there's examples internationally, um, and the RRM aims to share that information. So again, it's that focus on continually learning what the threat looks like. Uh, it's very difficult to ascertain impact, uh, but we know there is intent. Thank you. Mr. Culkins, four minutes to you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, in the 2019 or 2021 election, has the public ever been informed of foreign interference in any media platform um, during an election? Ever? Has there ever been a warning or has the public been advised or an advisory in either of those elections? Yes or no? Thank you very much for that question. Uh, in so far as it relates to the activities of the panel and the public uh, announcement uh, function that they would render, should they deem required, I would, that, the answer to that question is no. Nothing has met the threshold or test yet for, for the public to know. Um, in the discussion of amplifications, uh, Ms. Denham, you said that uh, you've witnessed amplifications of information or chatter, whatever the lingo happens to be, and you said that you could not confirm that it was foreign interference. That also implies that you cannot deny there was foreign interference. Would you agree with my statement? I wouldn't agree with the premise of that. I think it's really important when you're talking about disinformation and the source of it. Uh, just because we aren't able to fully confirm it's a foreign entity, um, I think it's, as I said, it's really important. It could be Canadians, it could be other entities having conversations, so I wouldn't want to apply, imply that that means it is, it is not foreign, that it's the counter. You can't confirm something, you can't deny something, is, is, a, is a very logical argument. And I want to just get you to clarify a statement that you have just made in your testimony here today. You, through one of your answers, you said, we cannot tell if it's foreign or from within Canada. So is your definition of foreign interference have to come from offshore? And if it happens within the territorial confines of Canada, it's not considered foreign. Is that your, is, that's how I interpreted your comment. Uh, is that how you operate? No, and thank you for that question, uh, Madam Chair, to clarify in what, uh, what I meant to uh, say. What we look for are those tactics. And when I say that we couldn't confirm it if it was a foreign entity, it could be a foreign entity that is using proxies in different ways to amplify the content, but you need to find the link back to a foreign entity that's directing that. And so uh, just to clarify uh, that statement. Thank you so much. Uh, your responsibility is to monitor elections, but your responsibility would not extend to nomination races and leadership races. Is that correct? The RRM's mandate specifically is threats to uh, democracies, actually, uh, foreign threats to democracies. Uh, and so we look at the, the threat landscape more broadly, uh, but perhaps Mr. Fisher would like to add. Sure. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. I mean, certainly from a, a service uh, perspective and, and mandate, any foreign influence activity is something we would be interested in and would investigate, and that would extend to potentially uh, nominations, party nominations uh, outside of an uh, of a electoral writ. 
There has also been numerous conversations about turning intelligence into evidence. I think the Canadian public broadly accepts that there has been significant foreign interference in our democratic processes and not a single individual has been hauled to the bar to account for any of this. There have been no charges laid by the RCMP. There has been no charges, to my knowledge, that have been uh, put forward by Elections Canada. Um, so where is the missing gap in turning intelligence into evidence so that we can actually prosecute those who the Canadian public broadly accepts are acting with impunity in our democratic processes? So uh, thank you for the question. It's, it's a very good one. It's something uh, I would suggest the government has been wrestling with uh, for some time now. Um, and it's not just in Canada. It's, it's uh, an issue that all of our allies face in terms of trying to find a way to transition intelligence into evidence. It's ultimately a policy development and probably a legislative fix that would be required in that space, but that's well uh, beyond uh, my remit, and, and I know uh, our colleagues at uh, uh, Public Safety uh, certainly have this on their plate as, as something they've been they've been looking at and studying. Thank you, Mr. Fergus. I'll give you the same four minutes as Mr. Calkins. Madam President, thank you, Madam Chair. I will attempt to be brief. Uh, uncomfortable question, so let me just get right into it. Uh, a national security expert, uh, Jessica Davis, uh, she had tweeted, and I quote, the leaks are a big concern for me. They appear quite partisan in nature. This might be the nature of interference in their targets. It might be about a function of the reporting, or it might be selective leaking. We need to be very careful about considering the leaked information in context. We should probably all be paying a lot more attention to what's going on in committee when public officials are testifying. They're in a position to give better context. What would be your reaction to that comment? Well, my, my reaction as uh, an intelligence professional and uh, an employee of the service, speaking just generally of leaked intelligence, is that it's something we take extremely seriously. Um, obviously, protecting our sources, our operations, our trade craft is uh, essential to being able to conduct our investigations and do our business. Uh, anything that puts that at risk is something uh, that we take extremely seriously. Thank you. For two elections now, site has existed. Um, does the intelligence community have the resources it needs to counter uh, these examples or concerns of potential foreign interference? I can I can start that off, but I'll turn to my colleagues because we each uh, and, and thank you very much for that excellent question. We each have. Uh, a number of tools and authorities uh, available to us uh, from a, a, a CSE perspective. Uh, we certainly have a foreign intelligence mandate, so we collect foreign intelligence. We have the ability to protect uh, for our cyber defense mandate. We have the ability to protect Canadian government systems uh, and, and other critical infrastructure systems. We also have uh, author new authorities that allow us to take action to disrupt uh, threat-related uh, activities uh, from foreign threat actors. So from a CSE perspective, we feel that we have uh, the tools necessary uh, to counteract this. We do we do utilize uh, these authorities uh, in all aspects of foreign interference, and so I wanted to uh, affirm that to the committee. Yes, uh, Madam Chair, and I, I can add just from a, a service perspective, uh, I mean, in terms of resources, I, I think we 
we face the reality any organization does. We have to operate within, within the resources we're allocated. And certainly as the threat environment changes, uh, we need to respond to that. And we've done that certainly to uh, meet the threats that are, that are developing and, and uh, evolving. Uh, I'd probably say that in terms of tools, and it's been said before, I think, in, in front of this committee, um, the technology is is uh, evolving faster, I think, than than our act has been able to keep up. Uh, we need to be able to do more data-driven investigations, and uh, that that is a difficulty uh, for us. So certainly, in terms of tools and improvements um, for the service, that that's something that would make a difference. I have about forty seconds left, so we're going to have to split this time pretty quickly. Um, in your answer to uh, Mr. Calkins' question about the problem that countries are facing, or that you, in your answer, talked about countries are facing around the world in terms of the intelligence to evidence uh, problem, uh, what type of legislative uh, tools are you imagining could be useful, or that is being discussed with your colleagues around the world? I'm sorry, Madam Chair, that, that really is outside of, uh, of my remit, and, and uh, I, I'd probably refer you to uh, the Department of Public Safety, where um, I have colleagues that, that have been looking at this issue for some time. Sure. Excellent. With that, I would like to um, thank our witnesses or guests for taking the time to join us today. We'd like to thank you for your service. and. Uh, being available, if there's any additional information you'd like to provide, please do share it with the clerk, and the clerk will ensure that all members receive that information. I will, uh, on behalf of members, thank you and your teams for your time uh, and your service once again. For committee members, whether in person or online, I'm going to suspend for 10 minutes. And we will return. You are watching the conclusion of a two-hour committee investigation into allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 federal election. The last hour focused on testimony from people who comprise what is basically a task force that looks at intelligence gathered by various uh, uh, various bodies like Canada's spy agency, for example, CSIS, around allegations of foreign interference. They take that intelligence, they send it to a, a panel, which is then responsible for determining whether it meets the bar to notify the public, whether it will, in fact, impact or threatens to impact the integrity of the election at hand. That panel never raised any red flags in that respect. But what we've been listening to is kind of the process through which all of that happens. Before that, we heard from the prime minister's national security advisor, Jody Thomas, as well as officials with the Department of Public Safety, who signaled that the RCMP is not investigating any of the allegations that have come to light with respect to the 2021 election and the allegations of interference there. Uh, we also heard from the Prime Minister. And on that note, I want to bring in my colleague, uh, CTV senior political correspondent, Glenn McGregor, who's been listening to the committee and the comments from the Flipping Prime Minister. Forth, two screens, <laughs> yeah. picture in picture. I mean, look, th this all comes on the heel of a, a very heated, the heels rather, of a very heated political back and forth about the scope of foreign interference in our elections, in particular right. from China. The big question the Prime Minister has faced and continued today is whether or not he will support a public inquiry. He will not. He it won't. sounds like it. No. 
what do you take away from what we heard in the committee today? Well, from the committee, we didn't hear a heck of a whole lot that we didn't know already. Uh, it may have been revelatory for some of the MPs on that committee to get the explainer of which you've just succinctly summarized how this process works, this kind of Rube Goldberg scheme where you have this, <laughs> uh, this task force of security officials who then brief the panel and the panel decides whether or not they're going to go public with this and they haven't done that in uh, either of the last two elections. Uh, so that's the entire time they've been set up. Uh, so that may have been interesting for the, for the uh, MPs, but they didn't get kind of any insight into, I think, what conservative MPs on the committee really wanted was what they consider a smoking gun is uh, accounts of CSIS or other uh, agencies briefing the prime minister about specific details of Chinese interference, particularly in this one Toronto riding that has been mentioned in some of the media reporting on it. They didn't get that. And it's fairly evident that uh, they aren't going to get it through this channel of a, of a parliamentary committee. Possibly there will be more information disclosed to the National Security right. Committee of MPs who all have security clearances and who are not supposed to leak that information. Uh, that's a new panel that the Liberals uh, set up uh, after they came to power. It's kind of modeled on a more of a U.S. type system where you, where you take uh, sort of a um, bipartisan committee and everybody gets the security briefing so they all know about real threats to security. But uh, it's, it, we're not going to get answers to those questions the Conservatives want answered, at least in this uh, venue Possibly, if there's something else set up in the future, we might. And even that, Jody Thomas was saying, for example, that she thought the better venue for an inquiry would be that committee that you just yes. highlighted because they are able to be privy to that, uh, that secret information, that highly right. classified information. But even that, she admitted later, would then have to go through a process where their report was sent to the prime minister's office and only a redacted one would be, be made sent to public. The committee. Exactly. Yeah, committee or made public. And yeah. all the good stuff's going to be under the black marks and the redactions, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to circle back to also, and I, I should tell our audience that we're standing by to talk to MPs who were listening to that committee and, and some of whom were part of that committee about what came of it. But uh, the, the bigger sort of political question was amplified today by comments from the leader of the Conservative Party, Pierre Polyev, around whether or not the government is prepared to call an inquiry. He said he supports the call for one, Mr. Polyev, and that he wants all parties to agree on a commissioner and that it has to happen in public. Have a listen to what he said. We support an independent and public inquiry on the following conditions. One, it has to be independent. All parties in the parliament must agree on the, who the commissioner is. Two, it has to be public. We can't simply bury it behind closed doors and have it in secret uh, while Canadians are left in the dark, potentially with another election interfered in before the results of the commission come out. So a couple of things to uh, say right off the bat about Mr. Polyev's claim. First of all, he was asked very directly a couple of times whether he feels the outcome of the election overall was impacted or stolen or anything like that. And he unequivocally said no. It's important to say that because uh, obviously, given what happened south of the border and all the consternation around that and the, right. the detrimental impact there, we want to be clear that's not what's up for debate here. No. And, and, and the Conservatives, to their credit, they're not, they're they, not they're alleging not that. that and, and they're not even saying it made a difference exactly. in specific, out, in specific no. writings. They're trying they to are, figure out if it did. They yeah. are pointing to one writing in British in, in the lower mainland, in Richmond, right. uh, that they think might have, the Chinese interference might have had a, a, an outcome there. But no, they're not saying uh, uh, that that happened. His, Polyev's demands, though, are. I mean, he, he can go in front of the microphone and say, I want, to, want this, 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 and this. It's not going to happen, right? Whatever the committee decides isn't binding on the prime minister. 
The committee does not have a power to call a public inquiry. Only the prime minister does, and only the prime minister can set its terms. So Mr. Polyev says he wants to have a say in uh, who runs this public inquiry. He wants it to be entirely public. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a good position for him, I guess, politically, but it's not going to happen. Let's be realistic. Uh, even with the NDP support, uh, it's, it's that, that idea is going nowhere. Uh, the NDP is supporting it, but they're actually a little bit different, and they put forward a motion to that committee we were just watching, in which they're they're saying that uh, they want the committee to take a broad, or sorry, an inquiry rather, to take a broader look at the at the concept of foreign interference, the scope of it, not specific only to China, but to include other countries as right. well. Right, and they think that they can enlist uh, sort of the conservatives in this. Um, raising the issue of possible Russian interference. Peter Julian, NDP MP on that committee, a couple of times brought up the in-and-out affair, going back to the 2005-2006 election campaign, which the Conservative Party later admitted pled guilty to uh, violating the Elections Act by uh, a series of wire transfers but um, that, that allowed them to spend more money on broadcast advertising. But that was not foreign interference, right? This is just, again, it's a lot of political posturing in this. I don't know why Peter Julian brought this up. He brought up the name of Dean Del Mastro, uh, the former parliamentary secretary to Prime Minister Stephen Harper, uh, who was later found guilty of election act defense. Uh, it, you know, it's just it's kind of just I can ask throwing Mr. a Julian, lot of stuff he's coming at the up, wall. But I, my guess is, I think that that what be, people are getting at is the assertion by the federal government has been the elections were free and fair. Thus, there's not more investigation needed beyond what what's already here. I think the point that some members of the opposition are making maybe is that other stuff has been investigated, even when the outcome of the election wasn't impacted. So why shouldn't it incur in this instance, too? Right. And in those cases, in the In-N-Out case, uh, that was investigated by the Commissioner of Canada Elections. Uh, the uh, Dean Domastro case, uh, same situation. Uh, we heard that the RCMP right. isn't investigating anything from the last election campaign, but as we yeah. know, they probably, it's not really their thing. Uh, that general, violations of the Elections Act, of the kinds that are being alleged with respect to Chinese interference, are all almost certainly things that Canada Elections Canada would deal and, with, not the RCMP. And we are supposed to hear from them in this committee, too. So True. I'll leave it there. Thanks, Glenn. Thank uh, CTV senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor. We do have some of those MPs with us now live. Uh, uh, Talib Nur Mohammed, a, a Liberal MP, is here, as well as Peter Julian, the NDP's House leader. Mr. Michael Cooper is supposed to be with us, but he is still in the committee, my understanding is, because there's uh, about to be debate about a, a motion, perhaps, something to do with him. Well, hopefully he'll come out, but I wanted to get... Right to both of you. Uh, thank you very much for making the time. Uh, Mr. Nur Mohammed, I'll start with you. I certainly understand the point the Prime Minister made today around the, the various things your government has done to investigate, to combat, to counter, to uh, ascertain the scope of when it comes to uh, uh, foreign interference. But I think it's fair to say that the allegations that have come forth through the media are troubling to a lot of Canadians. And in fact, a poll today by Angus, Rold show, Angus Reed rather, shows that 53% of Canadians think that democracy is being nev negatively impacted by, uh, by the possibility of, of what has been raised. Why is your government so resistant to the thought of holding an inquiry on the issue? It, it, can you understand how it doesn't make sense to Canadians? Yeah, and I think it's important in that vein to outline a couple of things. First, we know and we have heard from national security experts, in fact, we've even heard from the opposition, that there is no question as to the integrity of the 2019 and 2021 elections. Everyone agrees that the elections were free and fair. So then the question of what are we trying to accomplish? We are trying to accomplish a process by which Canadians can feel confident that their elections continue to be free and fair. So we have the commission that we, we have the committee of parliamentarians that is reviewing this, um, who have all been security cleared. They will look into whatever these allegations are. 
there is the, the group that we've already identified, the site, the site task force, that determined that, in fact, there was, no, um, there was no impact on the outcome. Now, we all know that there has been and there continues to be attempts to undermine our democracy. There have been attempts at foreign interference, and that goes back well before the last two elections. That's why we put in place the processes that we did. That doesn't mean we can't do more. The prime minister made it very clear that he is going to and that the government is going to put in whatever resources are required. But I think it's really important that we not lose sight of the fact that these are impartial, independent public servants, not political folk, who articulated and determined I, that our yeah. elections could be fair. And I, cer I certainly understand that, and, and we've uh, Canadians have been able to listen to that, uh, at, you know, to the full extent over the last two hours and through their previous committee ex uh, appearances as well. But regardless of the fact that all that stuff you just laid out is happening, 53% of Canadians think that this attempted interference represents a serious threat to democracy. Is it not incumbent on your government, regardless of what you say is happening, to acknowledge that and sort of realize that the measures you've put in place are not doing the job of assuring Canadians? I think it's important for us to all recognize that there are threats to our democracy that we know that there have been these attempts. And Canadians are right to be worried because it's a sign that we care about our democracy. But the reflex reaction that a public inquiry is the only way to solve that is actually something that is very, very different. Our job should be to look at what the recommendations are of people that are experts in the field, to look at what the committee of parliamentarians who are cleared for this from all political parties come back and say, and to take those, take those recommendations seriously, just as we take seriously the recommendations that were made by Mr. Rosenberg in his report that was revealed yesterday, which again said and reassured Canadians that the 2021 election was indeed free, fair, and where interference did not have an impact on the outcome of the election. Okay, Mr. Julian, let me put those points to you, because the government actually has done stuff about the issue of foreign interference, right? They have put together the task force, the site panel. Uh, there are mechanisms in place to, to warn the public if the, the integrity of the elect, the uh, outcome of the election is at stake or, or is being threatened. Why is a public inquiry necessary when all that stuff already occurs and when we have been assured that the outcome of the election was not impacted? Well, for, first off, uh, we're meeting again in a minute, so you've got a minute of my time. Oh, no. uh, we've been waiting in the waiting room, unfortunately. Uh, as far as the public inquiry that Jagmeet uh, Singh announced uh, on, on Sunday uh, and that uh, I moved uh, uh, just a few minutes ago, uh, we, we believe very strongly that it needs to be taken into a nonpartisan context where uh, we can really get to the bottom and get answers for, for Canadians. Uh, the issue of Chinese interference is a serious one. And possible violations of the Canada Elections Act, as I stressed in the testimony today and the questioning, is, is, uh, amounts to criminal violations. So this is something that needs to be taken seriously by the Prime Minister. Now, Mr. Polyev, um, is supporting a, a public inquiry, but only if it doesn't deal with concerns about Russia's involvement. And and so I think it's it's problematic when you have both parties sort of um, uh, not wanting to get to the bottom, get answers. We know that candidates were involved from both the Liberal Party and the Conservative Party. It's important. It it's very important that that we get to the bottom, get answers for Canadians only. A national public inquiry can do that. And unfortunately, we're reconvening, so okay. I'm going to have to sign off. You I understand. I apologize. We thought Mr. Cooper was joining. That's why we waited. Appreciate your time. Peter Julian and Thank Talib Noor-Mohammed. We will stand by to see if the Conservatives can join us.
a bit later on the show. I also want to let you know that our front bench panel will talk about what's unfolded this afternoon a little bit later on our program. Stephen McNeil, Gary Marr, Melanie Riche, and Joyce Napier will be here. Right now, though, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. On the other end of that break, we'll talk to Canada's former top bureaucrat, top public servant, Michael Wernick, will join me live in just a moment. Stay right there. This special edition of Power Play is next. We support an independent and public inquiry on the following conditions. One, it has to be independent. If charges were laid, obviously that would become public, would it not? There's a lot of process before charges are laid, but yes. If charges were yes. laid, if there were an investigation, yes. I think one of the most important things to remember is we have an awful lot of mechanisms that are underway right now around uh, determining what kind of foreign interference has happened. Just some of what we heard this afternoon as a parliamentary committee investigates allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 election. Members of the opposition are calling for a public inquiry into the issue. The prime minister, as you heard in those comments, is so far rebuffing that but insisting that there are mechanisms in place to do that kind of an inquiry or an investigation. I want to bring in somebody who knows a lot about how uh, the scope, rather, of the issue and that it doesn't just pertain to elections. Former Privy Council Clerk Michael Wernick is here. He's now the Jaroslawski Chair in Public Sector Management at the University of Ottawa. Hi, Mr. Wernick. Pleasure to welcome you to the program. I appreciate you making the time. Thanks for calling, Bashi. I know that you have made the point that this isn't just something to worry about at election time, that it, that it happens in between campaigns as well. Why do you think that is an important thing to get across? Well, the bottom line is the integrity of our democracy and our democratic uh, processes. And so uh, while it's, it's, it's understandable that we focus on the, the election period, I think the issue is broader than elections. It goes to the period between them. And it's broader than China, frankly. It goes to other, other actors that are active in Canada. So I think it would be a mistake to, uh, you know, uh, have an exercise that's limited to uh, you know, elections in China. I think it's a, a foreign activity and foreign interference is a much broader issue. Uh, there is one call being made by the New Democrats to do kind of exactly that, break, basically broaden it out to include mm -hmm. other foreign actors. Um, mm -hmm. and still, through the mechanism of an inquiry, look at foreign interference writ large. Do you think an exercise like that would be beneficial uh, against the context of the integrity of our democratic institutions? Well, I, I watched your exchange with uh, Ward Elcock and Dick Fan the other day. I'm, I'm a little bit more of the Ward view. I think it would be a very limited usefulness in a practical sense. Um, there are real challenges in, in terms of access to classified information and briefings. The last thing we want to do is inadvertently damage the ability of our security and intelligence uh, agencies to protect us. They are our frontline workers. How um, concerned would you be then, for example, if you were still, and, and I take that point certainly, and the same mm -hmm. as I did when Mr. Elcock made it, how concerned would you be um, if you were still serving in your previous capacity? Uh, as clerk of the Privy Council, if you saw numbers, for example, like we did today from Angus Reid, which does show that there has been a tangible impact on the the kind of level of faith people have in, mm -hmm. in democracy or the degree to which they think it may be under threat. Um, and do you think there is a way to navigate that? 
Well, I think it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, the issue has escalated and it's now uh, calling into question confidence, not just in the results of the election, but uh, you're starting to see, you know, undermining of confidence in our security and intelligence services. And that's really unfortunate, not going to leave us in a good place. Uh, it's more a political judgment. Uh, you know, my view is it's inevitable. Uh, <laughs> it's a minority parliament. Actually, the opposition could force one to, to take place. Uh, what it reminds me of is, is years ago, Stephen Harper stubbornly refusing to call and inquiring into missing and murdered Indigenous women. And in the end, he had to. And do you think, do you anticipate that the federal government will likely end up being forced into doing something? I'm not saying necessarily a public inquiry, but some some sort of additional inquisition into the matter? Well, is the matter elections or broader? Is it China or is it broader? I, I guess is, is my starting point. My, my argument on the inquiry is uh, whether it's inevitable or not, we don't have to wait for it. I can predict with some certainty its recommendations will be that Canada needs something like the foreign interference legislation in Australia or a foreign agents registry similar to the one in the UK. Why don't we just get on with it? Uh, we know that we have to deal with uh, cybersecurity. Get on with it. We know that the biggest issue uh, is disinformation campaigns uh, and troll farms. And, and that, you know, so we get on with it. So uh, my sense is I don't really understand why the government it wasn't more proactive if it had just tabled a version of the Australian and UK legislation, put it to Parliament. We wouldn't be talking today. And what, um, for, for Canadians who aren't familiar with that legislation, what, what does it really aim to do? Well, it, it, the Australian legislation is, is quite broad and uh, requires some transparency and disclosure about contacts and activity of foreign governments and institutions uh, right across the board, including in universities and law firms and businesses and so on. The foreign agents registry legislation is a sort of an American uh, creature, which the British have adopted, which is, again, requires people uh, to you know, disclose their presence and activity, kind of similar to Canadian lobbyist legislation. Um, you know, the, the, the professionals think it's a very limited usefulness. I mean, real criminals don't register their guns at gun registries and real spies won't register at a registry of foreign agents. Uh, but it would have some deterrent effect, presumably, on, on some of the activities. My argument on a foreign uh, agent registry is it, it should be retroactive. We should be forcing anybody who is a public office holder on the political, public service, the military side uh, to disclose any of those retainers and contracts and jobs going back at least five, or, you know, five, 10 or 15 years. Uh, before I let you go, Mr. Wernick, I, I wanted to ask you sort of about the um, other side of all of this, which is uh, in that same polling, there were a, a high degree, over 40 percent, for example, of conservatives who started to adhere to the notion that the election was stolen. I noted uh, today that, that the leader of the conservatives was asked point blank and he was very unequivocal in saying, no, that's not the case. We don't believe it. I don't subscribe to that. Uh, but are you at all concerned that it it's almost a bit late that regardless, and I've interviewed many conservatives who have been unequivocal again about that in, in, in before making their comments about their concerns. But does does that the model of what happened in the United States? Like, are, are we are we not necessarily immune from it? And does that worry you? No, of course, we're not immune to it. And, and what happens here is people will say one thing in a very public forum and allow other things to go on in the social media networks. So uh, there is a, a body of, 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 of 
opinion out there, which uh, has now lost confidence in that election outcome. Uh, and what we could see next is, uh, which we did see in the United States, is people going after the credibility of the security and intelligence agencies. They're attacked regularly in American politics as the deep state. We may see that in Canada soon. And how detrimental do you think that would be? Well, that would leave us weaker and more vulnerable. I mean, uh, uh, those security and intelligence agencies are absolutely vital to, to keeping Canadians safe, uh, a little bit innocent in the ways of the world. Uh, they are our frontline workers. They are the we stand on guard for thee in the national anthem. And so we, you know, we need to support them. And uh, I'd be very worried about anything that reduces trust uh, in the security and intelligence agencies and certainly very worried about anything that undermines trust, uh, you know, that our elections are free and fair. Mr. Warnick, I'll leave it there. I appreciate your insights this evening. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Michael Warnick is the former clerk of the Privy Council. We're going to take a quick break. We have the front bench coming up to help us analyze what we heard today on this issue. We'll also, though, however, catch you up on the other top political stories of the day. The list is next. We're back with more Power Play Ahead. Welcome back to Power Play on this Wednesday evening. Time for the list, a roundup of what's happening in politics today. At least 40 people have died and dozens more are injured, many more missing after a head-on crash between a passenger and a cargo train in northern Greece. The country's transport minister has now resigned and the station manager of the city of Larissa has been charged with manslaughter. Uh, through negligence. He is, however, denying wrongdoing. Greece announced three days of national mourning following this crash. About 350 people were on board the passenger train and it was traveling from Athens. Canada's busiest airport is bringing in some hard limits on the number of commercial flights it will allow during March break and summer travel seasons. The Greater Toronto Airport Authority has not yet released the exact flight caps, but it does insist the move comes in an effort to avoid the travel chaos Canadians have certainly experienced over peak travel times this year. More provinces have now followed the federal government's lead and banned the social media app TikTok from government devices. Here's a look across the country. So far, the provinces of Quebec, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland and Labrador, Alberta and B.C. have announced those bans. Ontario, Saskatchewan and Manitoba all say that they are considering one. And Saskatchewan and British Columbia have both now signed an agreement in principle on health care funding with the federal government, both of them announcing that today. That brings the total number of provinces who have agreed to federal funding frameworks with, the, with, the, with, the, with Ottawa, I should say, up to nine. Just Quebec is holding out. Earlier this month, the feds and provinces agreed to a funding boost of 46 billion new dollars over a decade. Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos is now negotiating the details of bilateral agreements with each province individually. Coming up, we've got the front bench standing by. They're going to dig into what you heard this afternoon from that committee investigating allegations of elections interference. Keep watching Power Play. The front bench is next.
You're looking at a live shot of conservative MP Michael Cooper, who is uh, still talking in committee on the Hill right now. That committee is investigating allegations of Chinese interference in the 2021 uh, election. Mr. Cooper is putting forward a motion uh, to basically uh, have more people from the prime minister's office called before that committee. That motion was defeated by the NDP and Liberals last week, but it looks like there might be a change in posture from the NDP, and it could go ahead uh, this week. That discussion is ongoing as we speak right now in that committee. We'll bring you any details, any updates uh, about the outcome of that as they become available. The bigger political question, though, before uh, the Prime Minister today was whether or not uh, he is prepared or willing to acquiesce to the calls for a public inquiry into those allegations. Uh, the calls were amplified today by the leader of the opposition, the leader of the Conservatives, Pierre Polyev. Have a listen to how he described the ask and then the Prime Minister's response to those asks. We support an independent and public inquiry on the following conditions. One, it has to be independent. All parties in the Parliament must agree on the, who the commissioner is. Two, it has to be public. We can't simply bury it behind closed doors and have it in secret uh, while Canadians are left in the dark, potentially with another election interfered in before the results of the commission come out. I think one of the most important things to remember is we have an awful lot of mechanisms that are underway right now around uh, determining what kind of foreign interference has happened is continuing to happen and demonstrating the tools we have. Right now, as we're speaking, our parliamentary committee is hearing directly from uh, national security experts uh, and officials as to the work that they've been doing over the past many years to counter ongoing uh, interference. Okay, so let's try and unpack some of that back and forth with the front bench panel. With me this evening, former Nova Scotia Premier Stephen McNeil. He's now a strategic business advisor for the law firm Cox & Palmer in Halifax. Former Alberta MLA and Cabinet Minister Gary Marr is here as well. He's the president and CEO of the Canada West Foundation now. Former communications director to Jugmeet Singh, Melanie Richet, is with us. She now works at Earnscliffe Strategies and CTV National News Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier rounds out our panel tonight. Hi, everyone. Really good to see you. I, I think, Joyce, I'll start with you when I say, help us unpack what, what, what happened this afternoon. Look, the, the big political question is around an inquiry. The Prime Minister continues to, to rebuff those calls. The committee today was not particularly revelatory in us finding out stuff that maybe we already didn't know. No, it wasn't. But what was interesting is Jody Thomas, the National Security Advisor, saying, look, you may call a public inquiry, but you will not get what you want from it because there is such a thing as, you know, secrets. Uh, the intelligence and, you know, security agencies, you can't just go ahead and go in front of a committee, in front of an uh, a public inquiry and say, oh, this is what we found out, this is what we know. That's not the way it works. And these parliamentarians know exactly that that's not the way it works. So they're not going to get what they want there. There is, however, a committee of parlamentarians that have access, of, of, of all parties that have access or could have access to this kind of data. Um, there's many things that could be done uh, without the, the necessity of a public inquiry. Um, for instance, you know, table bills. How about the foreign agent registry? That's what Michael Wernick just told exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah, there's and, a lot of know, stuff like they could do. There's a lot of stuff that they could do that they're not doing. So what I saw today 
uh, was a lot of political theater and political posturing, which is what they do. It's fair. That's their job. Uh, but when it is such an important question as, you know, a possible tampering with Canada's elections, and by the way, the RCMP said it did not meet the mark for a criminal investigation. It's not meet yet. Yeah, it has not yet. Yeah. Okay, so, but the, the problem now is that people have doubts. Yeah, they really do. And when people have doubts and there is no, you know, communication, today is the first time that we heard the Prime Minister actually getting ahead of it and saying, this is so far what we have put in place. These are the committees. Right. These are, this is what our agencies can do. Yeah. This is what they've done. He should have done that weeks ago when the stories were coming out. And they didn't get ahead of the story. So it is, it, it is becoming now chaotic with all sorts of political parties demanding right. all sorts of things and alleging things that are making people even more worried. Well, so somebody has to take control of this and well, it's, yeah, get it's, to the bottom of it. It's interesting, Gary, that, that Joyce brings up, you know, that it, the, the sort of a, a little bit of a pivot from the prime minister today, not a lot, but at least a, a change in, in, in tone around the issue because a week ago we were all gathered, right, saying uh, the issue is kind of getting away from him and he needs to sort of acknowledge that this is a big deal to Canadians. We have data today from Angus Reid that shows 53% of Canadians surveyed by them that uh, argue that this attempted interference represents, they perceive, a serious threat to democracy. Do you think that the Prime Minister needs to say, not necessarily have an inquiry, but like beyond what we've already done, there needs to be something else? Well, I think so. And, and just, to, um, just to go back to something that Joyce said, uh, I mean, we didn't see much in today's hearings. Uh, we heard expressions like, well, the information landscape is complex. And for security reasons, the responses were really without much detail or specifics. Um, so understandably, that's the position taken by uh, the individuals who are responsible for this. But I give some credit to Public Security Minister Mendocino, who says, uh, you know, they are eyes wide open uh, to the fact that foreign interference is a challenge to our democracy. And it shouldn't matter whether we're talking about Chinese state actors or Russian state actors or anyone, you know, or state actors from any other place. And so the, the landscape has changed the Prime Minister from when we were talking about this last week. I think he is starting to shift. I don't know if it'll go to a, a public inquiry, but as Joyce says, there are tools that can be put in place uh, that can be seen uh, by Canadians as the Prime Minister takes this matter seriously. Uh, now, on the subject of whether you can have a public inquiry, I think it was... Uh, as I recall earlier this week, the former CSIS director, uh, Richard Fadden, McFadden, uh, you know, said uh, there are precedents uh, for uh, commissions to hear classified information. Uh, I, uh, you know, I think that that there is some need for the prime minister to be seen to be taking this uh, much more seriously. And I think he started to shift in that direction. Is that your sense as well, Stephen? Well, I, uh, certainly, I think from the Prime Minister's comments today, uh, there's been a shift in tone. Uh, unfortunately, I watched some of that committee today. Uh, unfortunately, it fell into what I thought it would be, which is a partisan conversation. There are many things that uh, uh, can divide political parties and you can fight on over the election. You would hope, as a Canadian, uh, that they could come together on this one issue, which is really uh, paramount to uh, the independence of our elections and, quite frankly, to democracy. I think Joyce laid out a, uh, a path where we already have committee uh, that can go in, uh, have people appointed from all of the parties uh, and see 
firsthand the documentation, classified information. Uh, today's uh, committee demonstrated that CSIS or, or intelligence agencies are not going to answer some of the questions uh, that these committees are using for political purposes. So it, it would make sense to me uh, to take it out of their hands and, and invite them uh, to that committee where we can lay out all of the information to them uh, so that uh, when we hear them in the future, we know what it is. It's a partisan attack uh, to try to win points heading into an election because they understand the anxiety Canadians are feeling uh, about uh, what potentially is being talked about. The only issue with the, the National Security Committee looking at things, and that was also laid out by Jody Thomas, who, has, as Joyce points out, said, like, that's a better venue because they can actually hear about that classified mm -hmm. information. She did also say, though, for example, they produce a report. Well, it goes to the prime minister's office in an unredacted fashion and then is produced to the public in a, re in a redacted fashion. So mm -hmm. it's not clear exactly how much of a, you know, how much more we will know at the end of that about the scope of the issue, but at least there would be... Mm -hmm some mechanism beyond what exists right now or beyond what's happening right now. Right. If, if there's good faith with the other parties having that process happen, you know, the other parties could take a look at it and then leave and say, okay, for maybe I can't tell you exactly, spell out exactly the reasons, but for these reasons, I feel reassured that um, steps are being taken to protect this from happening and that our election was, was a fair election and, and that's not what we're concerned about. I think um, for the most part, there's something to be said about... Um, just hearing people. And, and until today, we really haven't heard the Prime Minister say, you know, I hear you, this is troubling, I agree with you that it's troubling, and I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that um, our elections are safe and that this doesn't happen again if it did happen. And we didn't really see that, um, and, and I think that's what's missing. And had we done that from the get-go, I think we would probably be in a different place with the public sentiment. I think that's a really good point, Joyce. And the interesting part is it's actually a huge migration because at the outset, the Prime Minister said, was dismissive mm -hmm. and said, if you're raising these concerns and, and true they have been some of them have been very partisan but if you're raising them you're sowing doubt in the integrity of our system now it's migrated two weeks later to the point of okay I get that there are real concerns and and I'm, I'm going to and I plan to and I have been addressing them well there was something that perhaps he should have done at the outset when the but but we know that they, they have a hard time communicating sometimes you know bring you back to SNC-Lavalin, that, that was a little bit the same thing. Get ahead of a story. You know that this is important. Uh, this is not going to go away. You can't wish things away, even if you're in the prime minister's office. So there, there, there seems to be a, a gap in the, in the communicating to people. There, the, the, the poll today is not surprising. The Angus Reid, that 53% of Canadians are going, Okay, wait a minute. What is going on? Because, you know, people are not always paying attention mm -hmm. to every single detail. Mm -hmm. But they are paying attention to news. We know that. Mm -hmm. uh, we know that for a fact. So you, you have to get ahead of it and you have to reassure people as, as it, 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 is, it is a duty of the prime minister to say, okay, not there's nothing to see here like he did at the beginning. No, no, don't worry. There's nothing to see here. No, no, no. Everything was fine. You have to give people a few more details. You have to answer the question that people have. They want to know, was this a tampering of our election? Right. The answer is yes. Was it successful? The answer is no. But then to the first question, what kind of tampering was it? I'm sure that even our intelligence and security agencies could give us a little bit more, just a little bit more. Gary, were you surprised at all at the, that polling that, that so many Canadians ha are paying attention to this? It's not just an you know, inside baseball, inside Ottawa type of story? 
No, I, I, I don't think I was. And the reason why is because there is a pattern uh, that has been established by the Prime Minister. And Joyce and Stephen and Melanie have all talked about it, uh, you know, the last time we gathered on this, of, of to deny and say there's nothing to be seen here. And I think Canadians are, uh, are actually concerned about this. It's important that our democracy is, uh, uh, is, is uh, an important institution to Canadians. Uh, and they want to know that something's being done. So step one, acknowledge the issue. Uh, step two is do something about the issue. And simply denying and saying, there's nothing to see here. And anybody that criticizes uh, is either um, they're, they're racist or that they're uh, somehow that they are uh, trying to score political points. Um, you know, I don't think that Canadians are satisfied uh, with right. a pattern of answers on important issues to them. Stephen, I have just 30 seconds left. Last word to you on this. Well, the fact that we're not the only country that has had uh, people interfering in their elections, there's no wonder the anxiety of Canadians is where it is. I don't think anyone should be surprised right. at that. Uh, I think the matter, the fact of the matter is uh, the Prime Minister is going to have to speak to Canadians uh, to reassure them that uh, he, this has his full attention and that uh, he'll do everything he can to protect our election system. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Stephen McNeil, Melanie Richet, Gary Marr, and Joyce Napier, thank you very much. All of you appreciate the discussion this evening. Today's takeaway is, of course, on this subject. I spoke to the former clerk of the Privy Council, Michael Wernick, who isn't sure an inquiry would accomplish exactly what the opposition wants it to, but does say that the federal government is, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but dragging its heels, that there is a lot they could be doing. Have a listen to Mr. Wernick. We know that we have to deal with uh, cybersecurity, get on with it. We know that the biggest issue uh, is disinformation campaigns uh, and troll farms. And, and that, you know, so we get on with it. So uh, my sense is I don't really understand why the government it wasn't more proactive if it had just tabled a version of the Australian and UK legislation, put it to Parliament, we wouldn't be talking today. That's Canada's former top bureaucrat, bureaucrat rather, weighing in on this program on how the government can handle or should have handled the issue of allegations of foreign interference. That committee that you've been watching this afternoon on Parliament Hill does reconvene tomorrow. They'll hear from a number of officials, including ones associated with uh, elections in this country. So that testimony will be very interesting to see. We'll stay abreast of it, of course, and we'll bring you updates as they happen right now. That does it for us here at PowerPlay. I'm happy to hand things over to my colleague, Morella Fernandez. A lot more going on on this subject. That committee is actually still meeting, so we'll have updates through you, for you rather throughout the evening. Have a great night. Thanks for watching.